Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the second annual <laughs> Game of the Year Awards for Sifted Games. Uh, if you guys had, did not watch or did not tune into the show last year, uh, it's kind of like we just go in order. We pick one winner for most of the categories, and then for like the final five or five categories, four categories, we pick four, yeah. four categories. We pick. Two, we pick a runner-up and a winner. So you're not going to get like five nominees for each category like we did uh, at GT for years and years. We basically just pick a winner in every category, and for the final four, we pick a runner-up and a winner. That said, we have 20 categories today. Don't have a ton of time to kind of sit around and jibber-jabber waiting to get into it. One thing I do want to say before we get going, though, is that tomorrow, bright and early, Matt and I will be right back here in the studio for the Shane versus Bloodborne subscriber drive. Um, kicking off at 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow morning. I'm hoping we can get this show up and archived on Sifted before we have to start the big stream tomorrow. Uh, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna try to keep <laughs> my cool. You? I cannot <laughs> promise anything. Uh, I'm probably not gonna keep my cool, actually, to be that's perfectly what, that's honest. That's what everybody's tuning in I for. think that's probably why you guys are gonna watch. Uh, it could get really nasty. We probably need like a little button to push for like all the swear words. Gonna... <laughs> I know I don't swear much on this show, and you guys probably think that like I never swear. I definitely swear, and you're gonna hear it tomorrow. I guarantee it. Uh, over and over again. Oh, you can again. take the boy out of Philly. Yeah. <laughs> When Bloodborne um, is on the line. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna When the be, camera lets him down. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think it'll be fun, ultimately. Uh, we're starting at 11 a.m. Pacific. It'll go probably until around 6 or 7 p.m. Pacific. Matt has to leave at like 6, is that right? Yeah, 6 or 7, as long as I'm there by 9. Okay, he has somewhere to be at like 9 o'clock here in L.A., so it probably won't go any later than that. Although, if it does happen, that yeah. I actually end up enjoying myself, yeah. if I end up liking the game, which I did not manage to do the first time I tried to play it, even though I dedicated almost that many hours to it the first time. Uh, if it does turn out that I like it, maybe I'll stick around and play a little bit longer with you guys. Uh, we have tons of free games to give away tomorrow. Tons. Uh, Matt, you sent me a huge list of free games to give away. Uh, we have uh, one of our sifters sent me a couple codes for some big games, actually. He sent me a code for yeah. Watch Dogs 2. Yeah, some of these are real games. Like, actual, yeah. like, this isn't just, like, a bunch of indie stuff. The like, crazy part is I have a ton of codes that I don't even know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I had got the codes in, like, an email and then cut and pasted them into, like, a document, and I did not, like, include what the game was. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some codes going up on the screen tomorrow. Mystery codes. Really, that you just have to go and punch yeah. them in and see what you get. Like, you don't even know what they are. We yeah. won't even know what they are. A lot of Steam stuff. Also, for, uh, for anyone who is interested, uh, I think the most exciting, for me, the most exciting game I, I sent you a code for was uh, Dragon's Dogma. That's big. For, for Steam. Yeah. Uh, which is one of my favorite janky-ass action RPGs of the last few years, so keep an eye out for that one. Yep, and the whole purpose of tomorrow is to get new subscribers to Sifted, and it's going all day, and of course we'll be tweeting it out throughout the day, hey, we're doing this stream, we're giving out free games, blah, 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 but if you guys can go on social media and retweet our tweets and go on Facebook and post about it, it would be really, really appreciated. Um, the goal tomorrow is to get as many new subscribers as possible, so... Anyway, I think with that, we have way too many awards to sit here and BS for too long, so let's get to our first category. First up, best first-person shooter. Matt, what is your pick? Pick is Doom. 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 Why did you pick Doom? Because I don't care about multiplayer, and this was my favorite single-player experience in shooters this year. Uh, which is, it, it actually was not as easy a pick as I thought it would be, because there were a lot of good campaigns this year. 
uh, Battlefield and Infinite Warfare and Titanfall 2, all good campaigns, but Doom, like, I just wasn't ready for how good this game was going to be. And I, I played it for, like, the first hour, and there was a moment where I was like, I'm having a lot of fun playing Doom. What ha Like, <laughs> I just didn't expect it. And, um... I played it. I didn't get all the way to the end, but I got about three quarters of the way through it, and uh, until I had to move on to other things because this show does not rest. And um, but I, it was—it's a great time. It runs like a like a like butter, it like really on does, just about any yeah. any platform you want to play it on. Uh, it looks great. It it's it just has has this flow to it that works. It's like super weird and kind of you know 80s metal cover album lots of cover, strafing uh and like old school without being annoying about it it's i just if you haven't played it and you have any any enjoyment derived from pointing a gun at something and shooting it like try it yeah i, I look i love the campaign i thought it was maybe a little bit one note it is it's doom yeah I mean, which makes whole, sense yeah. for the property uh, but that was kind of one of the things that kind of helped me back. Plus, the multiplayer is important to me. Yeah. And the fact, and it does have multiplayer, and I did it enjoy does. it. It does, it's just not... I enjoyed it for yeah. a while, for like a week or so. But the true test of multiplayer, that one week, is kind of like the mm. breaking point. Like, Well, I certainly didn't expect us to have the same pick on this one. Because, yeah. Because you and I just want very different things out of this genre. Yep. All right, my pick is... Titanfall 2. And, uh... When I look at shooters, I look at the whole package. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was... Doom wasn't even my, in my consideration, because multiplayer... Is multiplayer was a, was a dud. And of, of, like, if we were to give five nominees for this category, Doom would be one of the five. Mm -hmm. But for me, it would be probably the lowest down the list, because, one, like I said, the campaign's kind of one note, and two, the multiplayer is probably the most forgettable of the five big shooters from this year. For me, Titanfall 2 was the game that stretched the boundaries, pushed the envelope, and did everything really well. I love the campaign in this shooter. The only other shooter campaign that I felt like was close to this one was Infinite Warfare, which I also had a really good time with. But the whole time-shifting thing that happens at the end of Titanfall 2 is kind of what put me over the top for the campaign mm -hmm. on Titanfall 2. It, it actually does something different than no other game this year is doing, and, and to the best of my knowledge, no other shooter has ever done in the campaign. And aside from the whole time-shifting thing, the campaign was pretty awesome anyway. Yeah. It had a good mix of platforming and puzzles, and I thought they did a pretty good job of sort of attaching you emotionally to inanimate objects. Well, I guess robots are animated, but but inorganic objects, I guess, is the best way to put it. And then the multiplayer. I felt like of all the shooters this year that were sequels, Titanfall 2 was the shooter that evolved its multiplayer the most and also in the best way possible. So... Titanfall 2, my shooter of the year. I'm hoping that this game eventually does kind of turn the corner on sales. Ultimately, the MPD report wasn't that bad for November. I think it ended up coming in like fifth place or something like that, which isn't terrible. It's probably not what they wanted. No, no. It's, I'm sure it's far less than what they wanted. But I'm hoping that this game ends up having uh, legs and it ends up getting the sales that it deserves because it is an excellent game, well-crafted, mm. polished. Uh, huge fan of Titanfall 2, so that is my pick for the best first-person shooter of 2016. All right, let's move on to the next category, best multiplayer game. And this is one category where we both have the same pick, so you want to yeah. say it together? Rarity, yeah, yeah. Ready, one, two, three, Overwatch. Overwatch. Best multiplayer game across any genre in the industry this year. Matt, why was it your pick? Um, well, I, it's definitely the one I spent the most time with, multi, as far as any multiplayer mode, uh, which was only like five or six hours, but 
Um, as someone who just has never quite been into the character shooter thing, like this one definitely hooked me for a while. And everybody, they're all memorable, and I know all their names, and I know what they all do, and I tried them all out, and it, it, you know, everybody's got their own specialties. And I've seen some of the kind of evolution of the community through my girlfriend, who's probably up to like seven, eight hundred hours on it now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, even as someone who's not going to spend like the bulk of my free time playing this game, I'm really impressed with what Blizzard has pulled off here. It's amazing. I mean, if you think about it, this is Blizzard's first first-person shooter. Yeah. And to. <laughs> To and it's their biggest game ever. From zero to one hundred, <laughs> that's amazing, man! Like, yep. it shows you the skill of Blizzard, and it shows you that Blizzard doesn't develop its games just thinking, "Hey, this is what this genre is doing. How can we make it different?" They just scrapped all of that and built it from the from the ground up. And in all honesty, like, I don't even look at Overwatch as a shooter. I almost look at it as like an action adventure game. It's played from the first person perspective, but you're not always shooting because there's all these different roles that you can play. It's really kind of defies genres in a lot of ways. I feel, mm. you know, it kind of falls into the FPS genre because people look at it, they're like, oh, it's in first person and a lot of the characters shoot stuff. But from my perspective, it feels more like a general action adventure. And uh, I also like, what I also like about this is that it opened the gates to people who normally don't like shooters. Like people who maybe never played a Call of Duty or did play it and hated it or never played Halo or did play it and didn't like it. They play Overwatch, and they like it. And not only do they like it, they get hopelessly addicted to it. Like, I just love how many females play Overwatch. Like, that's huge. Like, playing online on Overwatch, and you've got your headset on, you hear women all the time. Now, go play Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And you won't hear, you could play all night. And you may hear one girl on the other end of the of the headset. Most of the high pitched voices you're going to hear are twelve year olds. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that just shows you how it kind of transcended mm. what what outwardly looks like the first person shooter genre to become something far more. Um, yeah. And because it's inclusive and it brings in all these different audiences, and that's something I would say that I compare a little bit to like League of Legends. You know, League of Legends mm. has girls and guys playing it, not in equal measure, but pretty close. And that's kind of the big thing here with, with Overwatch is that it's an inclusive game that everyone can enjoy. Everyone can find a role to play yeah. that they can get take something out of. Well, I knew there was something like special about this one when my girlfriend started to play it because she, A, hates first-person games, and B, hates competitive multiplayer. Yeah. But she, this is all she plays now. That's, that and her, and her regular group is, like you say, all girls. Yep. And they all discuss the lore, and they all talk about, you know, every, you know she came running through the through the apartments like winter the winter events up the winter events up. you know it's like it's most excited I've seen her seen her for game stuff in years yeah. like and and it's all over it's all blizzard play, hitting every right note with this game both in game and in terms of how they're keeping the content flowing yep so we're in agreement on that one there aren't too many categories that we're in agreement on this no, this year but i don't I mean that's that's a tough one. I think that's a tough one to disagree on. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we'll get too much pushback on that no. one. All right, let's move on. Next is best adventure game. And just so you guys know, adventure games are like point-and-click games. They're walking simulators. Uh, they're games where generally there's not a lot of action in them, and they're mostly just exploring the world and maybe solving some simple puzzles here and there. So, Matt, what is your pick for best adventure game of 2016? Abzu. Abzu. Uh, which is... Um... 
I think maybe not the the most compelling story told in one of these walking simulator or swimming simulators. There's very says. little of this swimming yeah. simulator. <laughs> yeah, there's very little story really. Right, it's just like you're swimming around, you're looking at fish, you're you're kind of figuring out sort of a journey style like narrative as you go. There are clues um, to what the story might be. Yeah, here and there, but it's like it's more like kind of a zen experience. It's like one of those things you can pop in and sort of just like go through. And I think it's it's a little too heavily scripted in places, but like that's sort of a pitfall of the genre these days. Um but I dug it. And they you know they make you care about a great white shark at one point. They do, yeah. Like it's a, it's a This moment right here yeah, that was is one of the too. most memorable moments from games in all of twenty sixteen. Yep. And there's a few moments in this game that are like that. Yep. But swimming um, past those whales, I will mm. always remember that moment the first time. And like I had seen it in trailers and still, when it happened, when I played the game, it just mm-hmm. hit me. Like, the scale of this game is great. Um, yep. It's one of those isolation games where you feel all alone, and there's just, like, little clues of other beings in the world to kind of mm-hmm. keep you tethered back to reality a little bit, uh, which I really liked about it. Uh, I'm a big fan. I like Abzu as well, so... Yeah. It's so, and as some, you know, I love the the diving, the scuba stuff, and looking at fish. All that, you know, I, I imported Aquanauts Holiday this year for PS3, and and I I, I dig it. You know, I I love scanning things. We, we yeah. know this. <laughs> We've established um, that. <laughs> and uh, I, w- I wish there was a little more scanning in this game, but I enjoy. Yeah. You know, you get to sit on the meditation rocks and sort of like jump from fish to fish and see things. Yeah. And like, there's a there's a little bit of like kind of a you know a food chain happening in this game. Yeah. It's fun to watch. It's a nice little aquarium screensaver in that sense. So uh, yeah, I think of all the of all the indie games, of all the or all the adventure games with the the kind of the walking simulator aspect, this was by far the one of the most memorable moments for me. Um, as far as point and click stuff, I didn't I didn't really play a lot that I that really stuck with me this year. Yeah, the tentacle was great. The remaster, yeah, the was, was great. Was a remaster came out. Uh, Dreamfall Chapters was also really Did that good. Come out? The final chapter came out in May, I think, right, or right, June. Right. But like it was split, it was split across a whole bunch of stuff, and I haven't finished the last chapter, so I didn't want to like just pick that chapter as the best because I wasn't done with it, and I'm not too sure I like where it's going. But like, <laughs> but it's just I love the longest journey, and like it's it was nice to see that be completed. But Abzu is, uh, you know, those blue whales can't really be beat. Yep. Okay, my pick for best adventure game is Firewatch. If you guys have watched Game Face throughout the year. Uh, when Firewatch came out, I went. I mentioned how much I loved the game um, and how I felt it was kind of the pinnacle of the walking simulator um, because I felt like it struck the perfect balance between giving you your own time but also giving you purpose mm-hmm. and reason for... Because that's how I feel about a lot of the walking simulators. It's like, I, I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to send you through this passive experience and it's like a lot of times... The other thing I don't like about walking simulators is sometimes you miss out on the more interesting stuff. And I felt like Firewatch did a good job of keeping you focused and keeping you on a path where you could actually experience some things that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the whole dialogue between the girl back at the base and how they played off that whole... I mean, you know, we've all been there where we, we're having communications with somebody. Maybe it's online or wherever... And you start to get the idea that, hey, maybe a, a romantic type thing is starting to develop here. Like, you get that whole vibe from that in this game. I love the setting. I love the visuals. I loved everything about it. Uh, I really, it, it moved me. Uh, I, I'm still thinking about it, like, months and months after I played it. Um, I really enjoyed Firewatch. Um, I don't know if it's going to get a lot of awards from other, I don't even know if a lot of publications will do Best Adventure Game, but... Uh, 
for me, it was easily uh, my favorite pick. And I did also like the nature side of it. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought it was completely absorbing and involving. Um, and it got rid of a lot of the contrivances of the genre that kind of have popped up over the last couple years. So that is my pick for Best Adventure Game of 2016. Let's move on to Best RPG. And this, can, this runs the gamut. It can be action RPGs. It can be turn-based RPGs. They're all kind of falling in the same bucket. It could be an MMORPG. Um, but it won't. But it won't. <laughs> Not with us two sitting Not with here. Us, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely no World of Warcraft Legion is going to win this award. But Matt, which game did win your award? Uh, I had to go with Dark Souls 3, um, which is you know very heavy on the action, a little light on the RPG. Yeah. But, um, it kept me playing for you know the, the duration. I have not actually gone back and played the DLC, although I hear it's extremely challenging. Uh, I'll try that later. But um, I played this very regularly. I'm, at one point, uh, an update broke it on my system, and I, it, it was like going through withdrawal. I just sat on the couch, and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. what am I um, and I, did, I don't like it as much as some of the other Souls games. I think it was a little bit of a re... It's kind of a rehash Where would you of one. place that just for the three Dark Souls games? What, what's your order oh. for those? Uh, the three Dark Souls games? Yeah. Uh, I am the one person on the planet who likes Dark Souls 2 the best okay. of the three. Uh, I think part of that is because um, uh, Dark Souls 2 was the one where I had my breakthrough. Oh, right. Where I finally like, learned how so to like Dark Souls. you struggled through the first Souls. one, you got into the group yeah. in the second one. And then like I like 2, uh, I like 1 a lot better when I went back, but 2 has a special thing for me. And uh, it, you know, it had a lot of hitbox problems, it had a lot of weird technical issues that are mostly addressed in the <laughs> Scholar of the First Sin update. Yeah. But um, it's, just, it's just a special game to me because it was the one that I finally figured it out. Right. On. You had the epiphany finally. Um, so I would I would say it's two one three for me. Two one three. But that's being last place in the Souls games is still not a, bad a thing. pretty damn good game. Yeah. Um, as even the people that don't like two, I think, would admit that like it's really just it's you know they think it's generally they think it's the least of the best kind of thing. Um, but I, you know it had a lot of some couple new challenges in it. Uh, some really cool places and really cool environments, which is what you want. I think it it uh, it called back to Dark Souls One pretty heavily. It doesn't hit the the level design sweet spot that One did because One is an amazing intricate like interwoven like singular world that like you can you're continually amazed at like oh this leads to this wait what and the, the. so Dark Souls Three has a little bit of that but it's a little more linear. But I just really like the the places it took you through. And uh, I never quite, I never felt the frustration I did on the previous ones or Bloodborne, where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I always felt like Dark Souls Three always felt like I could get through it, I could yeah. get there. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a worthy successor. And if that's the end of the Souls series and they move on to a new thing, uh, I'm, I think I think it was a nice cap on it. All right, people are gonna be surprised with my pick for best RPG of 2016. At least I think they are. My winner is Pokemon Sun and Moon. What? What? Yep, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, I'm not the world's biggest RPG player. When I do play RPGs, I generally, generally these days play action RPGs. Um, I haven't really got into a turn-based RPG maybe since the last Pokemon, to be <laughs> honest. It's kind of a genre. It's kind of like side-scrolling platformers. Th mm. Those are two genres that I've kind of like left in the dust because there were genres that I played ad nauseum back when I was younger. In fact, when I was the age that a lot of the subscribers on Sifted are, mm. are now... They used to be a big part of my sort of gaming palette, and I've kind of left them in the dust over the last, like, five or six years or so. But 
This game brought me back. I've always been a fan of Pokemon. I've always enjoyed it. I've played every one at this point. I think I've, re I've reviewed pretty much every one, except for maybe one of the ones that came out after I left GT and before I started Sifted. But uh, I really enjoyed the upgrades to it. I really thought that they, they, the changes that they made to it were smart and that they weren't made just to make them. They all made sense. Um, not every part of the game is excellent. But the other thing I like about this game is that it's a complete game. Not only do you have this massive campaign that literally took me like 50 or 60 hours to finish, and then there is some game plus content afterwards, but what I really liked about it is the multiplayer connectivity, the functionality afterwards. I still, when I sit down at night, I'll crack open my 3DS, I'll go online, and I'll throw down for a few battles. And I also feel like it, it was uh, one of the games that was perfectly suited to the platform that it's on. It's, you know, you can close the clamshell, leave it there, literally, and come back like three days later, crack it open, and it's still that same turn in that same battle that you were at uh, when you left it. And uh, so I feel like it makes perfect use of the platform. The online functionality is robust. Robust. The campaign is worth double the price that you pay for it. Um, my one, the, I guess my one caveat is that the plot isn't great, and it is made for kids, and that is a little dicey because generally with RPGs, the story is kind of what drives you forward. But I started looking across like the other RPGs from this year, and I was like, most of their stories were bad. Like they, well, the the other, the other good RPG story was uh, I think Blood and Wine, which yeah. three, but that's an expansion pack. Right, so and I would not consider that yeah. for RPG of the year because it's an expansion. But you're right, the story in that was great. But to me, Final Fantasy XV's story is complete rubbish. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm now thirty some hours into the game. That my opinion has not changed on the story at all in all that time. I will say, though, that I am enjoying the game more than you did. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of my opinions that I've expressed on the show in the last couple of weeks have not really changed. Uh, the other game that really I was considering replacing Pokemon with was Deus Ex. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, that story was really bad, which I was kind of shocked. It's more of a good idea for a story. Yeah, a like story. I was really shocked at how bad the story... Yeah. And that was one case where I kind of did need the story to push me forward, mm -hmm. and it wasn't good enough to do it. I still have not finished that game. Mm -hmm. I think I got 18 hours into it and just stalled, and then something else came out, and I was like, oh, I need to jump on this so I can talk about it on the show... And I never went back and finished it. And uh, yeah, the only other—I mean, the only other good RPG I really enjoyed this year was Pillars of Eternity, which didn't come out this year. Right. So it's just I got to it this year. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a great year for RPGs. In all honesty, it wasn't. And so Pokemon Sun and Moon, my best RPG of 2016. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Next, next up is the best indie game. This stuff is not easy to. No, this was a crowded to pick category. anymore. Oh my god, there. There, this was a great year for indie games. Mm -hmm. Like, just tons of them. Like, super hot. I mean, you can just go on and on. And I don't see it getting any better. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, by better, I mean easier to pick the winner. I think it's going to get more difficult mm -hmm. with every successive year because more and more people are jumping into the indie pool. We're seeing all these AAA guys now yeah. leaving these studios, starting their own little indie studio. And you're also sort of hitting the point where like, I was thinking of games like, is that an indie game? Right. Like, like the, the, the line between like a high budget production and an indie production is blurring in terms of quality and visuals and like, you know, they're really hitting the stride where they it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. On the site, how we decide because we tag everything when we bring in content and we're curating, and there's an indie tag. And so how we decide whether something gets the indie tag or not is if it's self published. Right. 
So if it's the developer is mm. also publishing it, that's when we tag something as an indie yeah. game. Because like, you although know, there are a couple like if it's like Devolver publishing it, yeah, it's more of an indie. Because it's like it's Big Ben like, Interactive is well, because one. it's also like a, it's a funding thing. Yeah, right? it's like you know if it's self funded, it's independent. It's like the, you know the Star right. Wars prequels are technically independent films. You know, even though you would never think of them that way. But like we, it's kind of impossible for us to know where the funding came for all these games. So yeah. I think that's the that's the publishing self publishing or or. Known indie publishers is kind of the yeah. easiest. System. After curating for two years, like eventually, after I mean, we've curated thirty-five thousand pieces of content, which just blows my mind. But we've curated thirty-five thousand pieces of content, and at around like eighteen thousand, you kind of figured out yeah. like how everything should work so it all makes sense on the site. And so that's kind of where we've drawn the line. With all that in mind, Matt, what is your pick for best indie game? Owlboy. Owlboy. Which uh, eight it, years in development? Yeah, like for for once. All those years paid off. Um, now, I really like this game. It's um, if you have any affinity for old, like sixteen-bit Super Nintendo era, um, like action adventure games or like a, like Metroid uh, Metroid style games, like you will like this game. It is. It feels. Like it could have been made in 1993, but it also takes advantage of modern. You well, it doesn't modern look design. like it could be. No, made it doesn't in look like. <laughs> but the way you, when you play it, it feels that good, yeah. and it's like it's, it has that sort of like responsiveness that that you expect from those old uh, Nintendo games, you know. And um, I've you know I've gone back to it a few times after uh, after we talked about it on the show, uh, and if you saw that show, you know that I really dug it at the time as well. Uh, there were a couple of stealth sequences later on that I didn't think were tremendously well thought out, but overall, uh, this is one of the few games that I've repeatedly gone back to. Uh, I haven't finished it yet. I'm probably like six hours in, but like I've gone back to it whenever I have the opportunity, uh, even though I don't have to play it anymore for the, for the show, which is increasingly rarer these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I am thrilled with this game. Uh, and just in, as someone who liked that era of games. That to begin with, and I hope it comes to platforms other than PC uh, next year because everybody should get a chance to play this. Ultimately this, this by the way, no brainer for the Switch. Yeah. Like, put this on the Switch, Nintendo. That's like, a good this idea, needs, actually. If Nintendo were maybe to secure the console exclusive for this, like, this would be... this would pull. In, I mean, if you're buying the Switch as a Nintendo fan, as someone who like has like good memories of the you know the golden old days of, of Nintendo when they were kind of the only game in town in terms of this style of game uh, this would this will make people lose their minds like it's it's like picking up it's like it's like slapping in a Super Nintendo cartridge that you you've never seen before it's I really can't I, I think people know what I'm saying on this one when oh, I say yeah. that it's just it's just it's hard to communicate properly but it's just it, it and, and you know it, it'll be easy to look at it and kind of dismiss it as like Oh, it's just like a wannabe, like, you know, oh, look at our pixel art thing. No, they, these guys get it. Well, I think just the fact that you can fly kind of sets it apart from a lot yeah. of side-scrollers. Yeah, you can fly deal. freely, and it still finds a way to make the areas challenging and, and navigation part of the gameplay. It's it's great. I mean, I... How much do they sell in this format? Oh, uh, is it 20? I think it's is 20. Is it 20 bucks? I thought it was worth, worth it, though? Worth 20, yeah. yeah. Look back back in 1993, I would have paid 69.99 <laughs> sure for it, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have batted an eye at it. No. Really, it's 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 solid. Highly okay. highly recommended. All right, my pick for best indie game of 2016 is Inside. I'm surprised you didn't pick Inside. I just have play, you played it? I played Inside for the first time last week in oh, preparation okay. for this, 
I did like it, but I didn't Owl Boy like it. I really thought this would be one of the categories where we agreed. Because to me, Inside is kind of uh, right on the outside of that Game of the Year nominee territory. Like, I would, mm. if I had to pick 10 nominees for Game of the Year, it would be one it, of the nominees. It didn't total, it didn't blow me away that hard. Uh, I liked it. Uh, if I mean, look, there are people giving this Game of the Year. Oh, I would yeah, never I give a Game of the Year. I don't think it's that good, but I think it's in that top 10, yeah. 12 discussion, though. Oh, I would say I'd put it in the top 10 of the year, no question. Uh, I also, uh, if we had, we don't have one, but if we had a best animation category, yeah, yeah. I would give Last Guardian top, but I would give this number two, no question. The animation in this game is insane. It really is. Like, it's so, and you think it's going to be pretty simple because of, like, you know, oh, okay, it's like a, you know, out of this world, another world thing. But no, they this thing goes crazy places, and it it just it sells it. It sells characters with nothing but animation through the whole. It really thing. It does. Really I mean, there's really no dialogue in the game. Yeah. It's all about the animation and how the the emotes happen. I uh... oh, and I love the water effects. Like when you yeah. fall in the like right well, there, when that. You, that, the bubbles in the yeah. water. Like some of the best water effects. It's I've so ever gorgeous, seen. man. Yeah. But it's not even about that. What it was about this game that, that got the award for me is that it does so many things that I never expected it to do. Mm. I mean, look, I played Limbo, and you know, honestly, there's there have been other indie games that look like this game, but none of them <laughs> shocked me as much as right. this one did. Yeah, one thing I will say of uh, playing, you know, you're watching the the B roll of this right now. Um, you do not know how this game ends. No. At no. all. Nope. <laughs> Whoa. Like, there's about five different places in this game where you're like, what? Yeah. Like, it, it, it has some swerves that there is just no way to see coming, and it's great. If you Look, if you have not played this, go buy it. Get right, off your right ass. Now. Like, and look, yeah. even if you're someone who is not a huge fan of Limbo, which I'm actually kind of in that camp. Like, I liked it. I didn't freak out over it like a lot of people did. This game... Even if you didn't like Limbo, go buy it, play it. You're going to love it. I promise you. Um, I, again, I'm really surprised you didn't pick this. Haven't heard, heard now that you, that you did play it. I just, it, would be, uh, it would probably be, if Owlboy didn't exist, it would probably have been this one. I, uh, I just felt like at every turn with this game, like you just never knew what was going to happen next. And like, like the last act of the game, the last... Whole, the last scene of the game. Yeah. Holy crap, man. Like, yeah. I'm still not no sure. Way. Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin explaining yeah, it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's I'm still great. not sure I completely understand everything that happened in this game. Mm -hmm. um, but the mystery, to me, was a big part of why I enjoyed it. Trying to figure it out and trying to sort it out. Because, mm -hmm. like you said, nothing is spelled out for you. Um, just like that little part that you just saw right there. We have to trick the animal into busting through the wall for you so you can go forward. It's like... The, every room in this game is loaded with little puzzles like that, where you're like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing, and then some little thing will happen accidentally sometimes to kind of tip you off on what you need to do to solve the puzzle. I, I just thought, for indie development, this is kind of the pinnacle right now. Um, a lot of indie games, like, they realize they don't have the budget to do cinemas, and so instead, they just do text bubbles or whatever. Like, I loved the approach to storytelling that they took with this. They're like, I don't even know if it was budget why they did it. But just the way the story is told and... These are the Limbo guys, so I assume this is just their thing. I guess so. Um, really impressed with this game. Again, was not a huge fan of Limbo. Uh, so if you guys are turned off by Limbo, I still think you should give this game a chance. I really, I really like Limbo, but I think, I think this is better than Limbo. Yeah. I'd agree with that, too. All right, let's move on. 
best VR game the first year for yeah. best VR. First year game to bother having this category. Yeah, and now that it, when I started looking <laughs> to try to find a winner, I'm like, should we bother? Yeah. Eh. We're going to get to like biggest yeah. disappointments later on. And VR's not my winner, but mm-hmm. it was certainly up there and under there. consideration. And I'm pre- I'm pretty sure near the beginning, even I'm the one that bought the two headsets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure near the beginning of this year, I said something like, "VR is niche. It's yeah. still going to be niche. It's not going to be this be- huge breakout thing everybody thinks it is yet." It's not the technology. It's, it's not the technology. It's the price. It's not even the price, really. It's just the software isn't there yet. Yeah, but it's also because there's no software that could possibly justify that price yeah, for the average consumer. I guess. It's just not there. Yeah, I mean, we saw the MPD report yesterday. Mm-hmm. PlayStation VR, not a single game in the top ten. Nope. Really did not help. Like, it didn't even provide a blip on the hardware charts. Yeah. It, it's selling okay, but clearly, you know, I was way off. You know, what, what I say, by the end of the calendar year, 1.3 million? I'm like, it, it sold like half that at this point. Maybe. So. Maybe. And like I've had. 750,000. Like around this time of year, I always have relatives and friends calling me or texting me saying, hey, you know, either it's somebody buying games or something for someone else, Mm -hmm. or it's someone asking me, like, what should I put on my Christmas list? And a lot of people were, obviously, the big thing this year is VR. So a lot of people were like calling me or texting me saying, hey, you know, fill me in on VR. And so I tell them, I'd be like, oh, you know, if you want to go the cheap route, but still have a great experience, PlayStation VR, if you want to go all in, money's no object, and go with the vibe. But then almost all of them were like, oh, no, no, no. I was talking about, like, for my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like, most people... Like, like the Google Cardboard kind of Cardboard thing. or Gear VR. Like, mm-hmm. they, right now, Samsung has a great commercial on TV for a Gear VR, where it just shows people using it. Mm. And taking it off and being like, oh my god. <laughs> like, you have, there's one where, like, there's an older gentleman on a couch and he says what appears to be his, his actor wife, you have to try this. <laughs> and that's very compelling. Mm. And it, you can tell it's not canned. Like, the people taking it off, you can just tell that, like, they were blown away by whatever they're doing and it's working. Mm. And so all those people are like, well, what's the best? Like, like, they're asking me, like, what's VR for my iPhone? And I'm like, well, there really isn't VR for your iPhone need to have a Samsung if you really want to have decent VR. So it's been an interesting year with VR. We've talked about it so much on this show. We've went through ups and downs. We were excited about it. We were disappointed in it. We were sick bot made sick by it in my case. Uh, it's been a great 2016 in a lot of ways has kind of been the year of VR. Um, but I think in a lot of ways it ultimately hasn't delivered what we had hoped. Yeah. Well, we're still waiting for the, uh, the real games in a lot of ways. And we'll get one in January with Resident Evil 7, and mm-hmm. we'll see how that if that can move some hardware for Sony and other platforms. But anyway, with all that in mind, all those caveats <laughs> that I just threw out there, Matt, what was your favorite VR game of 2016? That was The Lab. The Lab. Which is uh, the free game you get from Valve to go with the Vive. Is it even a game? Yeah, it's a collection of mini games. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is all the other good VR games I played this year are all taking something from the, the Lab. They're all kind of expansions on one of the mini games in The Lab. Yeah. Uh, the Lab uses the room scale stuff the best of anything else I've played uh, overall. It takes a couple of things that are games we played a million times and gives it a VR spin and makes you think about how you know classic or or well worn genres could change and be made a little fresher with this with VR. With yeah. VR, um, it has one of the coolest castle defense things uh, around where you just have a bow and arrow and, you're, and it's actually kind of a workout after a while. Yeah, you're, your arm gets tired. You know, it's um, 
They have the uh, the the catapult where like you're launching cores from portal into into boxes. Basically, it's boom blocks, but like you're launching cores from portal, and they all have different personalities and say stuff to you, and like that's all very funny. Um, and you know, you got the usual kind of like go to the, go to these mountains and look around, and like it's, it's get, you, you get the crazy sense of place that you get from VR games when they're working at their best, and. Um, Includes a couple other things that are not as impressive, but in terms of just like, here's what this can be. The lab is the best thing I played this year. Gotcha. All right, my pick is a game I just talked about last week, and it is Werewolves Within. Um, it's well documented. I have motion sickness issues with VR. This game, you're just sitting in a chair the whole time. I've had no problems getting sick playing this game. But mostly why I chose Werewolves Within is because it is the only VR game I played where I played it more than an hour or two and kept playing it. Because that's what I've found with VR. It's like, I feel like I get these new games and I play them for like an hour. I get sick or I don't. But it seems like after an hour, kind of it's, it's you squeezed it for all it's worth. A lot of them are simple concepts. Thumper would be an, excep- an exception. But Thumper to me is kind of just like a regular game with the VR mode uh-huh. in it. Werewolves Within was created from the ground up for VR, and the one thing that I've always wanted to be able to do with VR is be able to interact with other people in virtual reality. Like, that's the one thing about, like, a lot of the early VR games is they're very isolating. You're not really interacting with other people, and that's all this game is about, is interacting with other people. And it's basically a lying competition. That's what Werewolves Within is. It's all about deceiving the other people sitting around the circle with you trying to convince them that you are or are not something so that you win the game. Well, and the permutation of uh, Mafia. It is. Like, yeah. yeah. And or, there, uh, I think this is also like a... It's a card game. Card game. And all yeah. That. The, the, that's, the, I think it's actually Werewolves Within, right? Or just yeah, Werewolves. It's just a werewolf. Yeah. And, uh, but it's... it's uh, from what, I haven't played this because I'm not paying 30 bucks for it. Yeah. But, that's um, too much, by the way. Do not buy this for $30. But uh, it's... Uh, like, from what I've seen and what you've described, it sounds like they nailed the experience of playing it in real life, which is like what you want. Dude, it's so trippy. Like, because somehow Ubisoft has figured out how to make the characters emote. And it's not just about, like, the lip-syncing when somebody talks, which is really great. But it's also how the characters, like, will address the group and how Mm -hmm. their eyes will track. And, like, so say someone sitting next to me is, like, talking to someone in the group, and then I say something. Their eyes will quickly jut over and look at me. Like, just a quick glance. Like, oh, that person said something... Normal people, whenever someone says something, they'll quickly look and then continue their point. The way the characters in this emote, it's amazing. Like, I was blown... It's cr- like I said, it's like trippy slash creepy how this game works with other people. And, like, you do have some emotes. Like, you just saw one there where you can point at people. But there's, like, 20 or 30 other emotes that you can use to kind of help get your point across. But just like the... Like you said, the, the sense of presence and place. Like... Uh-huh. It's like being with other people in this other world to the point where when somebody stands up to, like, really make their point, you're like, oh. Like, I don't know how to put it into words. And I think that's why I like this game so much is because it it accomplishes what I hoped VR would accomplish, which is transporting you to this other place where you still feel like you're you and everyone else still feels like they're themselves, but they also feel free to be somebody else, if, you, if, you, if that makes any sense. Um... I've had a blast playing this. It's crazy addictive. Like, each game probably lasts, like, 10 minutes, and I have yet to start playing this game, 
and not play at least six games in a row. That it's just it's you can, once you get in a group, you get to know everybody, and it's a great social tool. Like I've made more friends on my added more people to my friends list playing this game in the last week than I did playing any other game all year, hmm. all year. And I mean, other than like people from Sifted uh-huh. becoming friends with me, I'm saying like as far as playing a game. And then connecting with the people you're playing with, and then them adding you and you adding them to your friends list, this game did it. Does it every game. Every game I play, I add a new friend to my friends list. And uh, I've just had a blast with it. It's very, it's not, it seems simple, but because there's so many different roles that you can play in the game, it takes a long time to really understand all the logic and the strategy behind it. I've just had a blast playing it. I'm still having a blast playing it. I high, if you have PlayStation VR and you're looking for a game to play, that people come over and you can and they can learn it very easily and something that you are going to get your value out of and not worry about getting sick. This is the game. So it's my pick cool. for best VR game of 2016. Uh, I also, uh, in terms of the getting sick thing, I did pick up. Uh, I expect you to die, and that is also basically just sitting still, yeah, and looking around and doing stuff. So if you're that game is getting, I've not. I got a code for a review. I've not played it yet, but that the first couple of reviews of that game have been like sky high. Yeah, it's real good. If you if you're curious about that and you have the VR headset, go for. I expect you to die, especially if you have motion sickness problems. I think uh, I think you will not have a problem with that on that game. All right, let's move on. Best action adventure of 2016 used to be this was the biggest genre in the whole industry. Yeah, this was a dire category for me. It was just not much I felt very strongly about. Because the problem is, a lot of games that five or six years ago would have been action adventures are now action RPGs. Like you're seeing, like you saw that happen a little bit with Tomb Raider. It's not quite to action RPG yet, but it's getting there. Uh-huh. You're seeing it with God of War a little bit. It's starting to kind of inch its way towards that a little bit. The action adventure genre is kind of becoming abandoned now because they're bringing RPG elements into them and kind of leeching the games away. That said, there are a few to choose from. So, Matt, what was your pick? Uh, my pick, according to our genre classifications, was uh, Tom Clancy's The Division. Tom Clancy's uh, The Division could have fallen into four or five, four different, or five different MMORPG. Like, yeah. It was, but action RPG and shooter, I, and I think we've talked about recently how like we're both we we were both kind of sick of it and don't have any interest in going back to it. But I did play it for like a month, yeah. And for a game that I had no interest in, and then I played one of the one of the alphas or the betas uh, earlier this year, and I was like, oh, I really, this is actually kind of fun. I like this, and I, so I picked it up and played. It. I played it like incessantly for, a, for weeks, like, and eventually, I mean, I stopped playing it because I was like. It was becoming like a, it, it was becoming a problem. To the play. You ever play a game, especially an online game, enough that like when you sit down like the fortieth or fiftieth time to play it, like the title screen comes up and the music starts to play, and you start you feel like a little sick. Yeah, you're like, oh <laughs> you're god, like, I'm doing I am this again. again. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like I got that way with Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast. Like, yeah, to this I played like five hundred hours of that game, and to this day the title screen music makes me feel a little queasy. Oh, I like, love the title screen. Well, is, I like it. That is just, probably my favorite title screen music. Ever. I like it, but it's like it just reminds me of that time where that's all I did. I love so that long. though. Like that's what I love about it. Like when I hear that song, it transports me back to literally like my first year, like when I broke into the industry. Like when Joe Fielder gave me my first grunt job at GameSpot, that was the game I was playing with all the people from GameSpot. I was living with Gerald Valoria at the time, who was mm-hmm. working with me at GameSpot. We would come home from work. I go in my bedroom, he go in his bedroom, and we'd play <laughs> Fantasy Star Online together. 
And that song, I just, it transports me back to like, you know, I just felt so good to get my chance in the industry that like, uh. I had this high going that just, it wasn't like it lasted for five minutes. It lasted for like two years where I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm this kid from Philly. And I got lucky enough to like come out here uh. and I'm living in California. Like, it takes me right back to that feeling. And now I'm jaded. I've lived in California for <laughs> 16 years and like. The impact of that is all gone, but for that moment when I hear that song, it takes me back to that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, that was around the same time I was starting at uh, for Tech TV as well, and I do remember when that when the when the game came out, uh, they asked they asked to write a because uh, I wrote the, I think I wrote the review for it, and I they asked me to write a strategy guide for it. Yeah. Oh, and, gosh. and it turned out that they meant like a like a quick tips for beginners thing, and I wrote like a forty page strategy guide for the whole game. And they're like, oh, oh and they're like, oh my god, this is amazing! And so they put it out for like five days. It was like they ended up. They thought they were going to get like a quick like kind of you know we didn't have the term then, but clickbait list right, for this. Yeah. And they ended up with like a five day feature, <laughs> and like. And I think That's that actually great. helped build my rep there to the point that they were willing to give me a better shot at things after that. But yeah. so, so it was a good, it was a good uh, game. He knows his stuff. Yeah. But I, uh, I got sucked deep into that game. But the division. Yeah, um, back to the division. Another tangent. We will not be talking about the division like that. No, we will 15 not. Fifteen years from now. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, I went through the whole thing. We did a lot, bunch of the daily stuff. Like I, I played had, the hell I had a really good time. I mean, ultimately, I, really I played it for like thirty or forty hours. So. But it's like it was, you know, it was like eating a whole package of like Chips Ahoy. Yeah. Like it's great when you're doing it, and then you're just like, oh, I'm oh disgusting. my god, I made like, a huge like, mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you look at the DLC, and it's, it's like walking past the DLC in the shop in this cookie aisle. You're like, no, I'm not going to uh, do that again. It's like, like when my wife goes out of town for the weekend, like I'll eat a whole box of fruity pebbles in like two days. <laughs> So it's like you know, and it's funny because it's like it's like I don't want that to be the, my favorite action adventure of the year, yeah. but it, it kind of was. It was. I and mean, I, if you like, just look at the empirical yeah, evidence, if I just look at what I played the most and what I enjoyed at the time, yeah, yeah, I really like the division. All right, uh, my pick is probably surprising no one. Uncharted Four. <laughs> uh, this would probably be the consensus pick for best action adventure among most people. Uh, I don't even know if I really need to explain. Uh, what was so great about it? I think everybody on Sifted has played this game. In fact, I think if I had to pick one game from 2016 that the highest concentration of Sifted subscribers played, I think it would be Uncharted 4. Um, obviously, it's Naughty Dog's swan song to the franchise. I would not be shocked if some other developer picks it up and completely murders it at some point. And I think Naughty Dog will then ultimately regret sort of passing the torch on. Uh, but, you know... The most obvious are, is technically, there's, it really has no equal on the consoles this year. Uh, I think it was the first time for a lot of people that they really saw that four or $500 that they paid for their console at work, uh, seeing what they're really capable of. Uh, the story was, I thought was really good. Uh, one of the better stories from this year in games. Um, you know, I think my, my one caveat still with the series is the gameplay still isn't amazing. It doesn't sort of hold up to the standards of the rest of the game. But I also feel like the other parts of the game are so strong that it really certainly overshadows a lot of those shortcomings in the gameplay. Um, I love the ending of the game. I, the set pieces I thought were great. They weren't overindulgent. Like, I almost felt like Uncharted 3 kind of got to that place where it was, like, too much, and it had kind of lost 
the peaks and valleys that you need to so that those big moments really have an impact on you. Um, I thought that this was kind of like it settled back into kind of what we saw with Uncharted 2. Uh, a good mix of action, a good mix of serious moments, a good mix of story, romance, conflict, all of that. Um, and then you, the icing on the top, obviously, is the graphics are just absolutely mind-blowing. So, for me, there was no other game really close for Uncharted 4. It was far and away my winner. Um, so, yeah, my favorite action adventure of 2016, Uncharted 4. Let's move on. Best strategy game, a category we did not even have in the awards mm -hmm. last year uh, because last year's strategy was pretty slim. Not so much this year. No, some big, some heavy hitters this year. Yeah, there were some great strategy games this year. Actually, several. Like, we could, mm -hmm. if we did five nominees, we could have five great nominees, no problem. Um, so, Matt, what was your pick for a best strategy game of 2016? Uh, I have to go with XCOM 2. Great pick. Um, Civ, Civ 6 was good, but like XCOM 2. Uh, kept me hooked, and it's also I think the only one that I I played the whole thing, and then I played it again to do it right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like it's like it pretty. It's I think it's pretty much guaranteed that you're gonna lose your first game of XCOM too, because you know there's a time limit. There's, yeah, you know, you're up. You're against the clock, and you got to kind of play a, one round to learn how to manage that and where to go with it. So even if you had played XCOM one, yeah, I, mean, I played the living crap out of <laughs> XCOM one. We gave it our game of the year at GT, mm -hmm. the year it came out. Um, I played the expansions. I ended up doing a review of the expansion for like Shack News, like after I left GT. I was just doing a couple of reviews here and there to kind of keep my sharp, my uh, my sword sharp while I was waiting for Sifted to launch. Um, I'm a big fan, but the one thing I would say about XCOM 2 is that I thought it was too hard. It is very hard. Yeah. I, uh, and again, to, that's after I have playing XCOM One, and yeah. all the expansions. Oh, it's absolutely harder than XCOM One, no yeah. question. And I thought um, that was that was why. And you'll see. I, I'll just spoil it right now. I or we would have announced it together if I had also given it Strategy Game of the Year, but I did not pick it for Strategy Game of the Year, mm -hmm. and that was the reason. I just felt like it was just too hard. Um, and you know, when you think about Game of the Year, there's always kind of that conundrum of like, is it my Game of the Year or is it like? what you would recommend the most mm -hmm. to everybody else. And I feel like it's a mix. Yeah. You know, when I go to pick my awards, I don't want to pick an award that, like, or a game for an award that only I like. I don't know if, I don't think that helps anybody. Um, I feel like the, there's value to these awards. There's a lot of people who are sitting there right now, holiday shopping season, games on discount, time to fill out their backlog. I don't feel like I'm helping anyone if I pick some obscure game that only I like that other people aren't going to resonate with. And I but feel like indie cred. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like this treads a little bit into that territory. Like, it would be hard for me to recommend it mm. to a lot of people. But I feel like if you're a strategy game fan, it probably yeah. is the game of the year. Yeah. If you're, it's, if you're into it, if you're, if you're not afraid of, like, you know, dealing... You know, again, there's also kind of a Dark Souls thing to this where it's like... Yeah. You have to get used to the fact that some of your dudes are going to die. Yeah. Like, you are not coming out all... And, like, XCOM... The, the last XCOM... You know, if you played it smart, you probably were getting out everybody's alive at the yeah. end for most of the missions. I think this I maybe one, like, lost 20% of, like, yeah. the characters that I Yeah, this one, I, I lost somebody, like, probably every other mission at, at, at least. Like, you know, and everyone's... So, and, you know, you, I try, to, you try it again, you try it, you're just like, well, either I'm doing something stupid or this game's just too smart for me and I'm just going to cut my losses and I'm, you know... I'm sorry, I, your character died a couple times, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I, we, had to, we had to leave you on the field, soldier. Yeah. So... But I, I once I kind of like you know got used to that and made you know the, the attrition kind of became an accepted part of how the game plays. Like uh, I thought for the most part it was an improvement on the last one, uh, and I really liked the last one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, had to be my pick. 
Um, I wanted it to be Civ Six. Yeah. But it just, in comparison to this, it just wasn't. I agree with you about Civ. I. Uh, oh, did you finally play it? I have been playing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just bits and pieces here and there. And that's one thing I do like about Civ is that it's a lot mm-hmm. like Pokemon. You can just put it away and come back and kind mm-hmm. of pick it up. And so I have been. I probably played ten or eleven hours of it at this point, something like that. And I just knew because I, I knew I needed to play it for this mm-hmm. show that we're recording right now. Um, but I completely agree with you. It's hard to give Civ an award because it's it's too similar mm-hmm. to the last Civ. In all honesty, like I, you look at XCOM. Um, it has a different vibe to it, and like you said, it, it is much more difficult than the first XCOM, which was something I don't like about it compared to the first one. But uh, Civ for me was just, it was too similar. I, I, I felt, it was, it was polished, I'll say this, it was the first Civ that right out of the gate, it didn't feel like it needed to be patched. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple Civs, like I played them like day and date when they came out, and I was like, oh, like this game yeah. doesn't feel done. Civ 6 definitely started miles ahead of where 5 did. For sure. And I don't feel like I'm waiting for like a patch mm. or DLC or anything like that to get everything out of it. I just feel like I'm still kind of playing the same game that I played the last time. Yeah, and I feel like there's like there was little things about it that after I played more like annoyed me, and I, early on I kind of thought, oh, I just don't really understand this system yet. But no, the religion system's just sort of stupid. Yeah. And like... There's a lot of weird things where, like, certain characters can't stand on the same space, and sometimes that can screw you up if the AI doesn't want to move. Uh, the, the people that, you know, I know the, the community uh, calls it calls it missionary spam, where, like, missionaries will just sort of spread from the CPU out across right. the continent, and they just take up space everywhere, yeah. and you're like, there's nothing you can really do, and you can't kill them, or that breaks your treaty. So, yeah, probably killing missionaries is not the greatest <laughs> thing to do in general, but, yeah. like... Um, it's, it's you know, and there's just little things. I'm sure they'll be addressed as time goes on, but I just don't, I don't have any of those kind of complaints about XCOM 2 outside of like it's really hard. But I think it's supposed to be really hard, yeah. so I can't really fault it for that. Well, one thing I would say is the fact that both of us have taken time to explain why we didn't pick Civ 6 shows how good Civ 6 right. is. Like we right. feel there's something in our hearts that's telling us, hey, oh, yeah. we need to explain why this isn't our pick. Yeah, and it's still you know, it's still very hard to put down. Yeah, I, I played it long into the night, the same way I did XCOM 2. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mean it to be. I, I'm not trying to lay a diss track down for Civ 6 by yeah, not picking yeah. it, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> worth, worth pointing out that it, it was really good. But XCOM 2 has got to be my, my, my boy. I guess I need to make my pick now, and my pick. Some people may groan over this because it's it's a little RPG-ish as, as well. But my pick for best strategy game is Fire Emblem Fates. Um, honestly. If I were to talk about hours played of a game this year, I don't know, maybe maybe Pokemon Sun and Moon I played more because I'm still battling in that. But, man, as far as playing like a campaign this year, I don't think I spent more time with a game than Fire Emblem Fates. Um, I have a little bit of an OCD for strategy RPGs. I always have, going back to Final Fantasy Tactics. I will... It readily admit I'm a big Fire Emblem fan. I play every game that comes out, um, so I'm kind of predisposed to it. Um, but I just felt like, in my opinion, it's probably the second best Fire Emblem I've played. And I've played all of them. It's definitely better than Awakening. Yeah. Well, I don't even, I don't know, Matt. That's, I think that's debatable. I liked it better. I think it takes 
Awakenings like systems and builds on them in a more interesting way. Yeah, I mean, I like the story in this way better than Awakening yeah. as well. I liked how that it had the dual release and there were relevant reasons to play both. I was lucky enough that Nintendo sent me both versions. And so then could, there's a third version that like kind of blends everything. Right, and uh, it's meaningful though. Mm -hmm. It's not. I mean, I would say more meaningful than Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yeah, were the two versions of this game. Oh yeah, well the two versions are totally different stories. It's uh, yeah. Well, they, they're the same at, in a certain point. Mm -hmm. You they, diverge. And yeah. They, and one's uh, harder than the other as yeah. well. Like, the, the dark one is much harder, I thought. Yep. The production values in this game as well for the 3DS, like, as far as that goes, it, to me, it completely blows away Pokemon Sun and Moon. Like, it's a much mm -hmm. better looking game. Uh, there's more than, like, five cinemas in the game. Um, it feels like a big-budget AAA product on... Nintendo's last handheld. I can't believe I just said that, but there you go. Hmm. Um, I had a blast with this game. I still play it. Like, I'm getting ready to fly home for the holidays, and it will be one of a couple games that I actually pack in with my 3DS. Um, yeah. For me, it was pretty clear when I started looking back across the year where I spent my time and how much I enjoyed everything that Fire Emblem Fates was my strategy game of the year. So, let's move along. Next up, best platform. This is not best... Side-scrolling platformer, huh. best 3D platformer. This is the best platform, as in uh, console, PC, mobile, whatever. Um, this was a hard category for me this year. Yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I guess not for you, though. No. Okay, Matt, what's your pick, then? PC. PC, huh? Yep. For all the headaches, it's still the best way to play anything if you have the option, I think. You think? Yep. I don't know. So I, I played, and I played a lot of stuff on both because, like, you know, sometimes the console version is available earlier. Sometimes I get the code for the console version, and then I play the PC version later. Sometimes I get to play the console version, and then the PC version becomes super cheap in a Steam sale, and so I play that again later. Um, and just you know, I mean, the, the bump in frame rate, the bump in resolution tends to be worth it in the end. I know it's it's a headache and it's expensive, but I definitely spent more time playing PC than anything else this year. Yeah, see, I I would. I would have issues with picking the PC because I've tried to play some PC games this year. Almost all of them have been complete headache. Like they don't work or I need to update new drivers and I get the drivers and they don't work and I have to roll my drivers back. Like, and then I started looking and, and you know, full disclosure here, I'm doing a little bit of acting because I knew Matt's picks because we had to get footage together to run for, mm. for, for your picks. And so I started going back and I started trying to figure out, okay, what are the exclusive PC games from this year? Mm -hmm. They're pretty anemic. It's not about exclusives. It's about superior experience. No, I mean, I get that, but I don't know. I guess when I look at best That's why I say like, I don't need an Xbox is because yeah. there's nothing on Xbox One now that I can't also get on PC. Yeah. I guess when I look at platform, to me, exclusive is part of it. Like, what games can you only play on that platform? Mm. And for this year... Owlboy. Yeah, there, I guess Owlboy was one of them. But it was like... Um, what were some of the games? It was like... World of Warcraft, Tyranny, I think, mm -hmm. Civ, what else? That was it. Like, there weren't very many... XCOM 2 for a while. For a little while, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a lot of, there's a couple of time release things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I'm not saying, like, it has the best exclusive or whatever. I'm just saying, uh, if you want to play the best version of a game, usually it's on the PC. Sometimes it's not, Ubisoft. But, like, yeah. <laughs> usually it's on the PC. Or Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah. I mean, there's 
Oh, they go back now. Like you know, a year later, uh, Arkham Knight runs pretty great. well. Great, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, now that they had to go back, fix everything, give everybody their money back, and sell, right. sell it again for ten bucks. Like, yeah, great. Thumbs up. Yeah. Also, you, you, you know, for a very low low price, you can get a ton of different games on the right. You know, through Humble Bundle and Indie Gala and all those things. Like, you'll always have something new to play. Uh, you know, if you're into indie stuff, there's no other platform. No, you're right. Period. Indie, it is um, the indie platform without a doubt. And I'm not a huge indie devotee or anything, but I'm glad I got to play a bunch of the stuff that I did. Well, here's a good example of that. So on Sifted, you know, before it launched, we sat down and started creating games. Mm-hmm. Like, just literally just database work. day like the and, game pages for everything? Yeah. I mean, it's the worst. But it had to be done. I literally spent a week just doing game pages. And when I finished, I think I had... We had added three or four thousand game pages or something like that. So as time goes on and we work on Sifted, like all these games get announced for PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. They're all these indie games. And it'll say debut PlayStation 4 trailer when Sony promotes it or whatever. But every single one of them, you go back and look, they were released on Steam mm-hmm. the year before, four months before, three years before, or whatever. It just shows you that if you're serious about playing indie games, mm-hmm. that's the platform to do it. So I can I can definitely give it some points for that for sure. Although if you're patient, you get a lot of them free on PSN. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all you get free on PSN. True. <laughs> yeah. They've done a little better in recent months. Yeah, but yeah. It's it's that's a whole other topic. Yeah, and then, you know, there's you know, platform wise, there's also the element of PC where the PC does a lot more than just play right. games, and it provides this platform for VR. Yeah, and, and I've started, you know. I don't have anything hooked up to my TV right now that can play like PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games. I have a huge PlayStation One, PlayStation Two library, and now with like the emulator stuff, I can put my di- you know any PlayStation One or PlayStation Two disc almost. I put it in my PC and I can just play it that way. And that's great too. Like it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a jack of all trades in in some in some ways, but it's also really freaking good at what it does. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love my PC. It's just it costs a lot of money, and you're gonna spend some. You know, if anything goes wrong, you turn into an auto mechanic. There's some elbow grease that goes into it. Yeah, and that's what's turned me off to PC gaming. Like I think I said in the last week's show, I go through peaks and valleys with PC gaming. Like, I do too. I, I, I turn uh, away from it. I was I, I was miss like, it, and I come back, and I'm like, oh, that's right. That's why I didn't like PC. I was probably games. like ninety percent console gaming last generation, yeah. and this gen. Part of it because I have a you know I had a powerful PC back yeah. then too though but yeah. like for the time but now it's just like I don't know like the the, the transition to kind of the, the 4K, game in 4K makes the 4K a big era like really yeah it really makes a difference and the 60 frames a second I'm not a, you know I'm not one of those people that says oh if it runs at 30 frames a second it's unplayable I right. think that's ridiculous as long yeah. as the frame rate's steady I'm happy yeah. but if I can play it in 60 frames a second I'm gonna why not yeah so. okay I may shock people with this pick as well my platform of the year is the Xbox One. Um, I'm just going to let you talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I feel like Xbox had probably the best exclusive lineup this year. Um, you get Gears of War and Forza Horizon 3 at the end of the year. Forza Horizon 3 would also be mm-hmm. in my top 10 nominees for Game of the Year. Yep. It's Definitely probably, my pick for best best racing game if there were if, any other racing games. If there was other, we could yeah. even have enough to do a category. Right. It would win hands down best racing game. 
I love that game. Another game I still go back and play and mm-hmm. race here and there. It's so funny. Like, they put out the DLC for it this week, and I'm like, I don't need it. Like, yeah. I'm still... Like, it looks I think, cool, though. It does. It looks Not awesome. a pun. It looks awesome, but I think I'm only at, like, 56% of, like, oh, yeah, yeah. the base game still. So, like... I play that on PC. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> ironically, one of the reasons I also gave Xbox One Platform of the Year is because of the conjoinment of Xbox One and PC and all the cool stuff that they're doing with it and the cross saves and the play anywhere and the fact that Microsoft has finally wised up and said, hey, like, this is also our platform. PC is also our platform. And so when you look, when I was looking at it, I'm like, look, if you own an Xbox One, you have so many advantages now that you don't have if you own a PlayStation 4. And you look at the exclusive game lineup, Xbox One compared to PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4, this year, you basically got Uncharted 4 and The Last Guardian. And about 100 extra P. Yeah. On resolution, yeah. for the most part. And I, you know, look at Forza Horizon 3, though. I mean, does Gran Turismo Sport look better than that? No. It doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, you know, disappointment-wise, I feel like the PlayStation 4's first party stuff is a huge disappointment at this point. Uh And we'll get to our most disappointing category in a bit. Spoiler, I'm not picking PlayStation 4's first party lineup. That's why I'm mentioning it now. But... A lot of good stuff got pushed to next year. But it keeps happening, though, Matt. We were saying this same thing last year. We're like, all this good stuff was supposed to come, and and now here we are a year later, and we had two really good games, and some people depending on their preferences, probably wouldn't think The Last Guardian is a good game. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. The the combination of the better first-party lineup and exclusives, the fact that, I mean, just look at the fact that the Xbox outsold PlayStation 4 for four months out of this year. I'm not the only one who is kind of starting to see a turnaround for Microsoft's Xbox business at this point. I think other people are starting to recognize it as well. That ultimately, it comes down to what platform has games that I want to play. Mm-hmm. And... Truth be told, Xbox One had a pretty good lineup. Even games like ReCore, which, divisive, not a lot of people liked it, but it was an option. It was an exclusive game that you could only play on Xbox One for a little while. before Now you can play it on PC or whatever. But it was this exclusive game that some people love, some people... I mean, I would probably liken it a little bit to The Last Guardian. It's one of those games that some people are going to really like, some people are not going to like it all, but it, it had it. It was an exclusive game. Quantum Break came out earlier in the year. Another game... Ended up in the 7 to 8 range. But again, it was an exclusive game for Xbox One. It actually did have an exclusive period before it went to PC. Um, I don't know. For me, comparing PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, it's no contest. And then I looked at the exclusive games on PC, and a lot of them don't resonate with me necessarily, other than maybe like Civ. I'm not a World of Warcraft guy. Um, And in all honesty, aren't we kind of picking the same thing at this point? Sort of, except mine, (laughs) mine has a lot more. A lot more what? Frame rate, resolution, oh, right. exclusives, indie games, flexibility, emulation. Like, it's just like, see, I think the PC makes the Xbox irrelevant now. If yeah. you have one powerful enough to run stuff on well, that level. Well, you also have to spend yeah. a crap ton more money. But you also I mean, get you can pay a lot more out of it. $250 for an Xbox One. Yeah. You can't buy a graphics card for that for your PC. You could, but it wouldn't run for three. For <laughs> well, the Horizon run 3 very you still well. need the whole rest of the PC to run the graphics card. Yeah, but it's just you know if you're talking about you know best platform as opposed to most affordable platform. Uh, but it, but where it all goes into it is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's not just one thing. It's like for me when I look at the big picture and everything. Like I guess the way I look at it is 
platform, like what was the smartest buy that year? That's kind of the way I look at this category every year. Is like if someone had to ask me in hindsight what platform should they have bought in 2016, I would have said Xbox One if it was only to play the experiences that were available for it at that point, taking in price and affordability and all that into it. For me, it would be Xbox One. Okay. It, I, I can't. I, I know. I can't like, recommend. So I can't recommend anybody buys a PC anymore, Matt. Mm. People like us, sure, hardcore gamers. But like my brother-in-law in Pittsburgh calls me. He's like, "Yo, I need to get a new game system." Like, I'm not going to tell him to go buy a $1,700 PC. I'm just not. Like, it's, he won't do it. He'll be like, mm. "You're crazy, dude." Like, I have $300 to spend to play video games. I don't have two grand to do it. Like, and you can see this happening. The sales of PC are just falling through the floor right now. Like, the only people that are left are enthusiasts like mm-hmm. us. Like, and the few companies left that work on PCs. And that's where the sales are coming from. People aren't buying... Casual folks are not buying the PC to play games anymore. Mm-hmm. And there was a time where that was happening. Like, that was a viable alternative for people who were in, like, the console market. So... Yeah. I just... I just don't care about that. Because if it was a holiday buyer's guide, I would probably not have picked the PC... But in terms of just what I'm playing and the best experience, it's that. Plus a PS4 gives me the Sony exclusives when right. they show up. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I mean, if someone was asking me which console to buy, I'd probably still go PS4 because the performance is so much better on the multi-platform games there. Oh, overall, um, I would definitely tell them to buy PS4. I'm just saying from this year, from 2016, mm-hmm. if someone came to me... Like on, kind of its most improved student kind of thing? Well, just like if somebody said what Xbox was... Xbox has really come a long way since the one was released. There's no, oh, yeah. no, no debating that. No, no, no doubt about it. And it's like, if, it's, it's like in hindsight, if someone were to come to me on January 1st of, tw- of this year and said... What console should I buy to play this year? Looking back now, to me that console would be Xbox One. 3DS, actually, hmm. I thought long and hard about as well. Because the 3DS had a pretty good year. Had a good year, yeah. Um, and you can get that dirt cheap now, 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. So. so anyway, that's my pick. I'm sure some people will disagree with it. Just like every single pick I'm making in tonight's show. That one had, that was, a, that was a pop in the chat on that one. Yeah, I, I kind of figured there would be. Figured. Yeah, well, I mean, look. Let's be honest, Sifted is flooded with Sony fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see it in the numbers. Like, how many people watch each piece of content? Like, it is literally Sony land. Sifted is Sony land. It is 85% PlayStation 4 owners or people who want to buy a PlayStation 4. And then probably the other 15% is PC, (laughs) which is great. I think that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a slant on Sifted towards PlayStation Without a doubt. The numbers bear it out. So, I'm just trying to stay even keeled here, brother. Let's move on. Next category, best story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, originally, I pegged this as blood and wine. Because uh, I think an expansion pack is okay for I think story. it's fair game story, for that, story. yeah. But the more I thought about it, the more I kept going back to another game that I played months and months ago. And just I can still kind of recall every story beat of it. Uh, and that's Firewatch. There you go. Um, which uh, is an, is a unique story told in an interesting way that ends, I think, in a very unsatisfying manner, but it's intentional. And the, the part of the thematic point is that it's unsatisfactory. Yeah. Um, and that all stuck with me in a way that you know most of these walking sim storytelling things didn't. And uh, I thought, you know, like if if this thing can actually pop to the 
front of my mind when I'm thinking about because there weren't a lot of good stories this year. I don't. I think. mean, look. Let's be honest. There aren't a lot of good stories in no. video games. Period. But like, even it's even just a sad. State but of even affairs. taking that, you know, as a given. Yeah. Pretty weak year for stories yeah. in some respects. Relatively and, uh, speaking, certainly yeah. in the AAA front. Yeah. And um, I mean, the fact that I'm not giving this to Uncharted Four breaks my heart. Yeah, uh, I really wanted that to be. I like the story in Uncharted Four. Uh, we'll I get to it that. Was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, but this was like uh, I think the most successful of the walking simulator kind of. Uh, it actually tells a story. Yeah, it actually tells a story, and it <laughs> it's tells... not like you have to walk around and like read terminals to yeah. like know what the hell's going on. Like a lot of them. And the other thing I liked about it was that it really. The fun, especially early on, it really captures the that feeling of being alone in the woods, and it gets creepy real fast for no good reason. Like, you see another person on a ridge far off. And you're like, who was that? Was it? It's another hiker. Who cares? You know, they they saw you because you were a moving person with a red shirt on. Who cares? But in this game, that becomes like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And like in the end, the big you know you you you'll find out like you know the answers to things. And maybe it lives up to what you expected, maybe it doesn't, but it nails that feeling of paranoia that you can kind of talk yourself into when there's no one else around, or if there's only one other person around and you just sort of feed each other's crazy right, right. in that situation. And I really liked how they built that, that, and I didn't know where they were going with it, and uh, they didn't go where I thought they'd go, but I was happy with where they went. And... Um, did you play Virginia? Did you ever get a chance to play that? I did play a little bit of Virginia, and that was good too. But like, I that just, story's good. It falls apart at the end, though. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just thought this one. The writing's very strong. The performance is very strong. I cannot believe that the that the because I looked up. I looked up and I played. You kind of replayed some of it this week to kind of make sure I was not crazy. Right. Um, I cannot believe the woman who did the voice for Delilah has never done a major voice acting role before. The really? rest of her IMDb credits are all additional voices and like secondary roles. Like, and she oh, she's great. Knocked this thing out of the oh, park, yeah. and I'm like, if she doesn't start getting lead roles off of this, as a result, like voice directors be crazy. Yeah, because uh, she is amazing in this. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I figure most of our audience knows Firewatch. It's probably played Firewatch by now. Yeah. But if you haven't, uh, it'll stick with you. Oh, for sure. Well, I already talked about it, so everyone knows that yeah. I love it. Oh, one thing I should mention before I go make my pick, I forgot to mention on platform, backwards compatibility. I can't oh, yeah. I forgot to talk about that. Over 300 games available in backwards compatibility for Xbox One. Mm-hmm. That is a huge advantage. Not streaming it either, like you get with, like, yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, real, like, stick like, the disc in and it works. Right, yeah. yeah that's a big, big freaking deal. It balloons yeah. its library out. So anyway... I needed to bring that up because I forgot to mention it. They have definitely taken the backwards compatibility further than I ever expected them to. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the amount of time, it's 300 games in like a year or mm-hmm. something like that. It's really, really impressive. All right, my pick for the best story of 2016 is The Last Guardian. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know how far you are into the game at this point. I'm but... about halfway through. Uh, I tried to finish it this week, and it just annoys me yeah, to play it. Can. It, I it just, definitely it can. It drives me up the wall. And I'm, I, lo- I love everything about it, but playing it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a problem with a video <laughs> that game. That is a problem, definitely. Well, maybe in that case, you should just go watch a Let's Play or something I've like that. I've considered it. And I've, let other I've people never suffer. do that. But it's just... I, <laughs> There was a thing where I, I failed four times because of the, the Trico AI just wouldn't do what it was supposed to do, and then it killed me the fifth time, and I just turned it off. Like it was, 
I'm, I'm done. I guess, you know, a lot of picking... I'll come back to it, but I couldn't do it this week. I didn't have the patience. Story is subjective, let's right. be honest. Like, everyone's going to take something different from a story. You know, there, I can say the story in something's terrible, Final Fantasy XV. There are some people who think the story in Final Fantasy Fantasy XV is amazing. It's just kind of the way it is. But the way, sort of the way I look at when you go to do these awards every year is what game had the strongest emotional impact on me? And that's generally where I go as far as picking my favorite story of the year. And hands down, no game comes even close to having the impact on me that The Last Guardian did. It was, it was a perfect blend of mystery, but not like the walking simulator will tell you nothing and you need to figure it out by looking at crap in the environment. Like It just gave you just enough to keep you hooked, but then also had payoffs. Like... That's what I loved about this game. It's like there's you don't think there's going to be any storytelling in it. And then all of a sudden, like, the first cinema happens. And you're like, oh, my God. Huh. Like, they're actually going to tell us. And it's crazy compelling. Like, figuring out how the boy got there. How did Trico get there? Why are they together? It, and it's, it's hard to talk about. I don't want to spoil anything about the story in this game. Because it's something worth experiencing without somebody like me ruining it for you. But the emotional beats, the feel, and look, the other thing I like about it too is that it, the story didn't do what I expected it to do at any point. Like, I, I knew I was going to become emotionally attached to Trico. That was a given. I mean, just looking at how they promoted and marketed the game beforehand, that was obvious. But how that relationship between the boy and the beast plays out and what the end result is and what the motivations are of the boy and the beast none of that i guess before i played the game um the ending is a shock there there were five or six times in this game where i literally said out loud no 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 <laughs> like that no don't let that happen please that can't happen and then a lot of the times it didn't, and something else happened. Like, I just, I'll be thinking about this game for a long time. Uh, it'll be one of maybe three or four games from 2016 that I feel like I'll still look back at 10 years from now or 20 years from now or when I'm in the nursing home someday and I'm like, you remember that game for Last Guardian? Be like, shut up, Satterfield. Yeah, exactly. What the hell is he talking about? Some damn Trico thing. But I, uh, this game moved me more than any other game this year. And like I said, that's kind of what I look for is stories from video games. And normally they, they don't do that much for me. And I mean, let's be honest, a lot of game stories are written for 13, 14, 15-year-old boys. Yeah. 15 is a good number Yeah. as an example in this case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this one was not. Like, this, this story will appeal to anyone. A kid could play this game, and he'll get a lot out of it. Adults, people like us, older adults, will get something out of it and enjoy it. Sometimes in terms of, like, kids experiencing, like, darker, more, you know, you know darker stories, I, f I feel like there used to be a niche for that in, like, animation when we were kids. Like, yeah, the yeah. late 70s, where you get those, like, crazy, weird, dark animated movies, non-Disney movies. Yeah. And, like, I feel like a lot of that story... Like, kids probably get that same storytelling experience now in games. Yeah, yeah. Like the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Or this game reminds me a lot of the never-ending story. Yeah. There's some of that, It has a it. lot of those same beats in it. And I remember as a kid, like, mm. that movie tore me up. Yeah, like, like, The Secret of Nim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
a mouse, the mouse and his child. No one's ever heard of that, but look it up on YouTube. The mouse and his child. It's the one of the weirdest damn cartoons you'll ever watch. Even like Charlotte's Web and stuff yeah. like that. Like it all kind of has those undertones to it. And uh, like I think a kid could play this, and he wouldn't have nightmares because yeah. there's a lot of heartwarming moments where you're connecting with this digital thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what really is effective about this is that one, and a lot of it goes into the animation and the AI of Trico. But it all comes together to tell a story. And to me, that's really what this game is about. It's not really about, like, telling Trico what to do and him maybe or maybe not doing it. It's about that connection and the story that's told with that connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's the best story of 2016. Oh, I, will, I will keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. It's I... worth it. At the very least, it is worth it, sadly, mm-hmm. to go watch a Let's Play of it. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Next topic. Next category, Future Legend. And I actually just kind of tip my hand there because this category is all about what game that came out this year is going to have the longest impact and what, which game will we be talking about 20 years from now. And this isn't, like, the best game. Like, that's not how it works. Look at Ico. Mm-hmm. Ico's not an amazing game, but people still talk about it because it was different and a lot like The Last Guardian. It had, like, those emotional sort of threads in it that that appeal to a lot of people. So it's not like, it's not always the best game from every year is the one that's going to stand the test of time as far as people talking about it and relating it to other games in the future. That's what this category is about, Matt. What was your pick? Uh, My pick would be No Man's Sky. Because I think 30 years from now, people will still be saying... Uh, oh my god, that game was amazing and it wasn't like anything else. Or they'll be saying, holy crap, that was the biggest piece of shit I ever played. Well, they'll be and talking they, about And they lied to me and they should have been thrown in pits and, and <laughs> poured oil on them. You know, like, whether you loved it or hated it, uh, or everything in between, the phenomenon that was the community's reaction to No Man's Sky is going to be something that lives in legend. Yeah. Uh, like you say, it doesn't have to be positive. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a good thing. Um, but I think uh, uh, it's already infamous. Oh yeah, it, it, like I, I was and about to, I was about to say, like December seventh, it will live in infamy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for for years and years to come, and um, be interesting to see where Hello Games goes from here on. I out. mean, honestly, people could still be playing the game thirty yeah, years because if, look, if Hello Games is dedicated to the project and keeps improving it. It could eventually yeah. get to the place where a lot of people erroneously thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think four, if they do four or five more like updates, like on the level of the, what the foundation update did, like this game could be pretty good in like a year. Yeah, like it, there's there's some there's potential here. It's just one of those things where it's like, it didn't start that way. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's the framework is there. Yeah, unfortunately, they should have probably been a little more forthcoming about hey. What we're launching is just the framework. Yeah. Well, it needed another year to bake, yeah. at the very least, I think. I don't know why. Like, I don't know if they got, like, greedy or they got, like, you know, myopic having to look at it for as long as they did. But, like, I don't know how you look at what launched and think, oh, yeah, everybody will love this. Yeah. You know, I just don't see. Even if you're leaving aside the crazy expectations people had of it, like, the stuff just wasn't there. It yeah. just wasn't, you know, the, the, the multiplayer wasn't in the game's code. Yeah. Like, and you talked about that. Like, like, I mean, I was not shocked by almost anything that wasn't or was half-baked in this game 
except that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you clearly said that people would be able to run into each other as astronomical odds, but if there's one thing you should learn about gamers... There's no such thing. We will do this, <laughs> that shit in eight hours. You give, you know, Before we go to bed that night, someone is going to find each other in this game, and... Yeah, so these developers never learn. It's like PT. Yeah. Like PT, they're like, oh, you'll never fit. Oh, they figured it out in like three oh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes later, it's like, no, we got it. What's next? What's next? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, but yeah uh, I, think, I think just that and the phenomenon around it and, you know, then Hello Games' response, or lack thereof, uh, one might say, uh, and, you know, going forward, how they treat it and treat the community, treat the game, treat the updates, go, you know, in the next 12 months is going to be a very interesting ride, and I think it'll be talked about for a long time. Oh, you're absolutely right. Anyone who played games in 2016, 20 years from now, will remember No Man's Sky, without a doubt. And they'll know the whole story. They'll be like, oh, he promised the world, and he gave us a nutshell. Like, <laughs> there's no doubt. Like, it is a legend, whether mm-hmm. it's for good reasons or bad reasons. I feel like that, yeah. that story's not written yet. I no. feel like there's still... Hello Games still has a chance to pull this game up by its bootstraps and make oh, it yeah. into what people hoped it was going to be at first. But it's just, you know, it's worth saying in, this, in the spirit of the award that Adolf Hitler also got to be Times Man of the Year once. <laughs> and it wasn't for good things. <laughs> I'm wondering if this year's uh, Man of the Year was picked for that same reason. Uh, okay, I've kind of tipped my hand already of talking about the last category. I probably shouldn't have put these categories back to back. In fact, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, My pick is The Last Guardian. I think, as I said when we were talking about for best story, I feel like it's a game that people are going to talk about. I hope that it's one of those games that other developers look at because, again, I've talked about it over and over on this show, how pissed off I am that AI hasn't been a focus this generation. And here is a game where AI totally was the focus. Fumbles it here and there a little bit. Probably not as good as I had hoped Mm -hmm. it would be, but still... Leaves some bounds better than pretty much every other game coming out. And again, I think it's that because of that, because of the AI, the animation, it helps you make that connection, a human connection, with something that's fake and digital. And uh, to me, those are the games that stand the test of time. Those are the games that people talk about years and years after they're released. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, this, is sort of, this game is sort of the epitome. Although this part of this game really drove me bonkers, by the way. <laughs> This drove me crazy, getting this thing underneath this gate. So yeah, This section of the game, to me, is the worst when it comes to... Um, am I missing something, or is Trico just not doing what he's supposed to oh, do? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a pain. But it's also worth noting that uh, I think it's good we both picked uh, non-sequels. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Last Guardian's kind of part of... Team Eco's kind of got it's that not a world going. Yeah. But um, not you know, it's like Final Fantasy XV will still be talked about... 20 years from now, because Final Fantasy because is a major series, and everybody, you know, everybody <laughs> likes to compare what they think about every game, right. and that's always going to be a thing. Um, but I think it's more interesting to try to call the ones that are like came out of nowhere, or, or yeah. their own thing, or started something, and they're going to be the ones that last. Yep. Uh, I think Overwatch would also have been a, a valid yeah. choice. Yeah, because that, that, people will still be playing oh, Overwatch yeah. in 20 yeah. years or whatever. <laughs> they're still playing Diablo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, they're still playing Diablo, they're still playing World of Warcraft. Yep. I mean, I can only see that platform living on. Next category, most pleasant surprise. Not a lot of surprises, really, this year. Not really. Uh, This is the other agreement category. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, So you just want to call it together? Yeah. One, two, three. Doom. 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 (laughs) I was not 
at all ready for how good this game was. Nobody was. Because they had built an entire game and scrapped, scrapped it. it. started over. And we had all seen it. Like, all that footage leaked yeah, out. It like, and it eh. looked like Gears of War, really. Yeah. I mean, they said it was Call of Duty. But to me, the way it played, it was like a cover shooter. It looked nothing like Doom. No. And they didn't send review copies out. Yeah. So that raises the red flag. Yeah, yeah. That. So, yeah, our, our expectations were like, oh, gosh, this thing's going to be a yeah. dumpster fire or whatever. And it was a dumpster fire in the most awesome oh, way yeah. possible. <laughs> the best dumpster fire. <laughs> it really was. And I, I mean, I remember, because I, I knew we, we wanted to play it, and I didn't get a review copy, so I went and bought, like, the lowest-priced PC version I could find on, like, Green Man Gaming or something. Right. And I was like... Because I was like, oh, I can't spend too much. Because I'm going to play it for like 20 minutes, and I'm going to hate it, and that's going to be it. And I was like, no, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I love the campaign in this game. The campaign was great. And like, I wasn't. I remember I got bored watching it at E3 the year, last year because that demo was long. It was long, and it yeah. feels to me I might be wrong about this, but it feels to me like they sped up how quickly you can do the kills in this. Like, it feels like the flow of playing the game. Is, seems now like the final retail seems much smoother than what we saw at E3 last year. Yeah, uh, which if that if that indeed is something they it, you know intentionally did, well done because yeah. that made the difference. I feel like they focused on all the right things with this game. Yeah, I mean they realized when they're like, wait a minute, we're not making a Doom game anymore. Like, although I'm starting to wonder what's up with the new Prey game. It doesn't look yeah, like a Prey game. Uh, maybe they'll figure that one out before they release it as well. But they. Uh, they figured out what were all the important parts of the prior Doom games that made them mm. popular, and they made sure that those tent poles and those tenants were in this Doom. And uh, that means lots of circle strafing, lots of over-the-top gore, lots of crazy enemies to shoot and blow up into jibs. Uh, hell. Mm-hmm. Hell is in the game. Like, and the little- How are they going to get the hell in that other like cover-based shooter, I wonder? <laughs> like, were they... They just weren't going to go there, no, I guess? I guess like, not. How does like, that work? Little, the little Doom guys you can find, and then like your guy like fist bumps them. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's a lot of little touches. Yeah, you could tell that the people that worked on the game were in love with the old Doom games. There was all mm. these little nods, and like, it's hard. It's hard to make modern games that still feel like the original series without making them mm. feel like an old game. And I felt like they'd, they used the technology perfectly. You know, They made sure that it ran at a blistering frame rate sacrifice some visual detail here or there if they did that's fine like they made the right choice because that's what people look for in doom is a lightning fast crazy gory exciting every moment counts shooter and that's exactly what they built with this reboot and the uh even this is good stuff oh yeah yeah i dig it and uh, and also like they had a, an obstacle over. I think there was a lot of people skeptical after Doom Three. Yeah, um, I that, was. Yeah, because that sure wasn't what anybody wanted. Really. It wasn't Doom. No, it was really like Resident Evil is what it was. Uh, yeah, it was monster closets on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> which nobody wants. No, but, but it's funny that like it took them another ten years or whatever to figure out like what people really wanted 12, from Doom. Yeah, twelve years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been the year of ancient development times. Yeah, finally, finally coming released. to fruition. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, that is one thing 2016 will probably be remembered for, though. Yeah, the year, the year the games delivered. Yeah, the year the dreams came true. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Shenmue fans continue to wait. Yeah, but not long. Not too Pre-or- long. No. Pre-orders just opened up for Shenmue Three. Mm-hmm. PC version, anyway. I, I think this thing might happen. Well, yeah, they're saying they're going into final production now. So. Wow. Just How crazy the... would it have been if Shenmue 3 made it out this year and it just been like, what? 
I just heads would have exploded. Just a thing I was I never thought I'd see. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next category. Most disappointing. I'm sure the people watching the stream saw that up in the corner. Like, oh man, I can't wait oh, to we see go. what they have to say for this one. This is a tough category. Yeah, because there was so many things to choose from. Yeah, and look, we're not saying that these games are bad. Well, I actually no. may be saying that this is bad, but yeah, you are saying this is bad. <laughs> I'm not saying this is bad. But in some cases, it's just like this category is about where will we build up to, and all the pre-marketing, mm. the trailers the things that the developers or the publishers said, and then where did we ultimately end up with the final product? So, Matt, what is your pick for most disappointing game of 2016? Well, buckle up, because my pick is Uncharted 4. <laughs> um, and the reason is, and like I say, like I said to Sam before the, before the show, just because you're disappointed in something doesn't mean you hate it. Right. You or it's be, bad. You, or it's bad. You can be disappointed in your child. doesn't make him a bad kid. Yeah. You know? In but, most, in some cases. But I'm a big fan of Unch the Uncharted games, and I this game's uh, the story, kind of, but more the portrayal of the characters let me down in a way I just did not expect it to. Please explain. Um, well, A, and this is not a secret to people who've been watching the show regularly, A, I hate Sam Drake. Uh, I don't like him. I think he's, he reminds me of Poochie from The Simpsons. Like, his character, <laughs> you just drag in for no reason, and everybody's yeah. supposed to instantly like him, but you didn't do anything to earn that. Yeah. Uh, to the point that you're making me play as him, which has never happened in Uncharted before. Yeah. Like, I'm Nathan Drake, yeah. son. Like, what are you doing? Uh, he, he's crammed into the timeline with no thought given to, like, Uncharted 3's flashbacks, where he should have been there in a couple of those flashbacks, but apparently was somewhere else. But don't else. you think they're setting him up to be, like, the next... I think, I think they are, which is, again, why I kind of don't like that. Um, but it's, I mean, if that's what they want to do, it's fine. But it's like, and I don't like, you know, slamming Sam Drake in part because he's voiced and performed by Troy Baker. And uh, Troy's a friend of mine, and I don't want to disparage his work. I don't think it was no, he was a bad performance great. at I mean, all or anything like that. It's just, I'm invested in this cast of characters as was established in the first three games. And to suddenly have the big finale be about this character I don't know about and don't, and you don't really do anything to earn my interest. And on top of that, I feel like the Elena-Nathan relationship is strongly disrespected in this game. Uh, where, like, the thing where he goes off with Sam to, like, you know, solve it. It's like, you really? And the whole thing is he doesn't tell her and runs off and she gets angry because she finds out. It's like, do you really think Elena wouldn't have understood the... I mean, look, if you're married to Nathan Drake, don't you expect, like, every six months there's going to be some crazy quest that pops up or something? I liked that, though, about it. I hated I've that. I've been in positions in relationships like that before with girls where I would just do the dumbest crap. And, like, but like, I would just act on an impulse or a whim. And, in all honesty, I was just young and selfish. And in hindsight, I, I see that I was young and right, selfish. But, like, but when it was happening, I'm like, no, to me, this is more important right now. And then eventually something happens and you realize, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I made a huge mistake. I'm so sorry. I could relate with that. Like, I don't relate with Being so because... passionate about something. Like, back when I used to DJ, like, I could get a gig. And say I had made a plan with my girl to, like, take her out to dinner or go to the movies on Saturday night. Someone calls me and they're like, hey, like, we, somebody just dropped out. We got a slot for you at like one in the morning. I get in my car and I just go. And then just not even, and this is like before cell phones and everything. And she's like, oh my God, like, where did Shane go? I come back like a day and a half later and she's like, where the hell were you? And I'm like, oh, I got a gig and I went and played a gig. And she's like, what? And like, Okay, but that's different from, like, my long-lost brother I thought was dead is actually alive and in serious trouble. We have to go to this place to find a thing to save his life. I feel like but Elena it's him, would go But it's what he's passionate about. He's passionate about treasure hunting and finding treasure. I was, at that point in my life, I was passionate about 
house music and making people dance and like that whole thing and like I don't know. I managed to be able to relate to that. Right, but it's not like what I'm saying is a like that situation normally for normal people is not a life and death thing, uh, which yeah. is what she's worried about. She's right. you know your girlfriend's not upset that you broke plans, not because you might have died at the DJ. King. Well, I disappeared. Yeah. She right. didn't know where I was. But like, but on top of that, like we've kind of dealt with that part of his character already in in three, yeah. and like they're just retreading it to fit Sam in, and I don't like that. And and it it edged all these other characters. That's why I'm glad Chloe seems to be the focus of the, of the DLC, DLC because these are the characters I'm invested in. These are the characters I wanted to see one last time. I wanted one last great adventure with these guys. And you you get a lot of you, know, you get a fair amount of Sully in yeah. the game, but like overall, I just didn't care about the focus on these two brothers because it seemed like it just didn't feel like Uncharted to me in that regard. And and if I'm being super honest, the gameplay of Uncharted is not enough to pull me through the whole game. No, I'd agree with that. You know, like I play the game before, to see the story. It's undoubtedly the weakness of the franchise and this game mm-hmm. as well. So I was let Where down by that. Where did they take it though? From here? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean... Well, they're not taking it anywhere. Right. Naughty Dog's done. Well, which I is mean, probably why they're done. They're like, where do we take it? I mean, well, that's the thing. is like Naughty Dog, even in this game, which I was disappointed in the story, Naughty Dog still comes up with those set pieces. It still comes up with those settings. It yeah. still comes up with those those environments where interesting things like happen. Like where you just yeah. jump out of a waterfall. Yeah. Like in a Jeep. Like. And like, you know, that stuff is great. Even without the story holding up for me, this, this, you know, this kind of experience is great. The graphics are amazing. It's a technological triumph in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And, but I just, you know, I'm here for these characters. And again, I, I, I pin some of it on the fact that Amy Hennig didn't write this. Because I would play games with these characters in it with Amy Hennig writing for the rest of her life. Yeah. I'm glad she's moved on to other things. But like, especially since it's Star Wars. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but like, it's you know, like I've said, like maybe it's better that you know the new regime of uh, Naughty Dog decided to put Uncharted to bed and work on the stuff that they're a little more in tune with, like Last of Us, because I think we'll get a better result out of that from the writing. Um, so you know, and I'm not, I'm still, you know, it's still probably like an eight out of ten for me. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's like we said before we started talking about yeah. it, like. It doesn't mean it's a bad game. But it's just, you know, I want, I want, I was ready for this to be my game of the year, and it really just wasn't. Yeah. So that's, that was my biggest disappointment. It's not remotely one of the worst games I've played this year, but it was the one that let me down the hardest. All right. My pick is Star Fox Zero. <laughs> I'm a big time Star Fox fan. I have been ever since the Super Nintendo days. Uh, Star Fox 64 is probably. My top four or five mm-hmm. N64 games. In fact, probably top ten from that whole generation uh, between N64, PlayStation, and even probably Dreamcast. Um, you know, Nintendo has kind of treated Star Fox like the redheaded stepchild of its properties for a while there. It kept farming the games out to they other... They have a lot of redheaded stepchildren. They do. <laughs> but they had kind of farmed it out to all these other developers, mm-hmm. like back when it was called Namco Bandai. Right. They created Star Fox Assault. They let Rare do a Star Fox action adventure, which actually was pretty good. Yeah. Or forced Star Fox onto right. their adventure, you know, depending yeah. on whose story of that. Right, because it was Dinosaur Planet at first. Right. And, and no, I mean, they really did force it onto Rare. Like, there's, mm. there's really no debating that. What a, what, a, what a day that must have been at Rare. It's like, make it Star Fox. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they had promoted a living hell out of Dinosaur oh, yeah. Planet before that. Like, I'd already played it at that point. Well, it was on N64. It was N64 for, game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they had never really treated Star Fox all that well. And with this game, like, 
again, they did farm it out, kind of, mm -hmm. to Platinum. But, you know, Miyamoto had given his personal assurances that he was working on this game and that he was going to make sure that Star Fox didn't fall by the wayside. And, you know, still right now, Miyamoto does interviews where he talks about how he thinks everyone's wrong about Star Fox Zero, that they're not mm -hmm. getting it. Uh, in another interview he did last I week... I think he's wrong about Star Fox and he doesn't get it. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. And I think another part of it may be... Part of my disappointment with this game may be that, you know, Miyamoto worked on it and it ended up being a bad game. Mm. That doesn't happen very often, Matt. No. Nope. I mean, generally, he can come in and just kind of sprinkle a little Miyamoto dust on it and he can turn a mediocre game into something great. Yeah, and he's done. He saved more projects than we know. He probably. saved more projects than other people have made projects. Right. So... I had high hopes for this. I mean, look, Platinum was working on this game. Like, mm. it's not like they're slackers. And you figured, you know, Platinum has made some mediocre games. There's no denying oh, yeah. that. They have, like, four teams that work on games, and they're not all great. But you'd assume, with the investment from Nintendo and this highly regarded property, that it would just be a better game. And it just was bad. Well, it's, it's weird to me that, like, Star Fox is one of those games that Nintendo seems to really end up trapped by their whole you know that it came about around the wii but it's like they have that weird idea that like we can't just make a sequel we have to make something new right and it's like when it comes to and a lot of times it works out well for them but with star fox just make star fox but prettier yeah i That's mean all i would need. have been totally fine with star fox 64 too yeah like totally cool with that no problem with it at all hey include that multiplayer element that you had in the n64 mm -hmm. game that you didn't have in a wii u game like it just sucks. Like, I love Star Fox. I love the property. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's completely getting wasted. I've just sat back and watched Nintendo just toss it in, basically toss it in the trash can. Like, I don't even know if it can recover at this point, man. I don't even know if people are forgiving enough at this point. I don't think, I, th I think people would give a, a, like a, a normal Star Fox game a shot years down the road. The question is, will we ever get the chance to, to find out? Because and Nintendo tends to vault stuff after something fails. Well, I think also that's what's so disappointing about this is that it was supposed to be, like, right. a return to form, like... Yeah, well, so was Other M. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. I was really disappointed. I mean, that whole crap right there where you're, like, picking up crap and, like, dropping it, and, mm -hmm. like, the robot that comes out of your sh... Ugh. What are they thinking? Maybe they played too much Desert Strike? Yeah, I don't know. I was really, there's really a lot. There's just a ton of... Even game. if you leave the controls aside, there's a lot of stuff in that game that is just not what I wanted from a Star Fox game. Well, the other part of it, too, is that they bring it to E3... Goddamn Walker. Yeah, exactly. That sucks, too. But they bring it to E3, everybody, across the board, unanimously, complains about the gyro aiming controls. Mm -hmm. And I think there was even an interview with Miyamoto at E3. He's like, oh, yeah, we hear it. Yeah, we heard it. We know. People don't like it. And then, like, they doubled down on it for, like, the final game. Like, there's just so much wrong with this. The fact that he didn't listen to fans, not just fans, like, journalists who have been playing his game since they were three years old, since he started making games, and know what makes a good Miyamoto game, he wouldn't, he wouldn't listen to them either. And it ends up just being this weird... I know how to explain it. It's not even Star Fox. It doesn't feel like Star Fox. It doesn't no. look like Star Fox. So there you go. My biggest disappointment of 2016, Star Fox Zero. All right, let's move on. <laughs> out of five. Yeah, <laughs> out of five. <laughs> Good one. All right, biggest news story of 2016. I guess this is kind of one of those topics where technically we can settle it. Like, it's really objective. Yeah. We can just go to Google 
and just punch in and just see how many Pop, results there are, and it'll tell you. I didn't do that. I'm assuming you didn't do that. No. I didn't think of that until you just said that. <laughs> that would have been a, a much better way to go about it. It wouldn't have been a very fun no. category to talk about, though, would it? So, no. Matt, what is, let's put it this way. What is your personal biggest news story of 2016? Uh, just the, all the NX slash Switch stuff taken as a whole. Like, I think that was what dominated video game news all year. Certainly the last couple months. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was rumors and rumors and rumors, and then the teaser, and then rumors about the teaser, and then rumors and about then the, fake the launch, and then the fake this thing. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, I mean, if there's one thing that, you know, like, you, like you said, every single week we talk about something related to the NX or the Switch. And there's stuff year. that happened this week that we're not going to talk about because yeah. we're doing our Game of the Year special, so... So it's, it's I mean, I think that it, you know Nintendo dominated the news cycle in general this year. Uh, obviously, there's things that were bigger in terms of mainstream breakout news from Nintendo, which I think you'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, in terms of just like you know what all what everybody put up articles about day in day out all year, it's the Switch for me. All right, my pick is Matt kind of hinted at it, Pokemon Go. Mm. Um, I get where you're going with Switch. But Pokemon Go transcended games. Pokemon Go was a big, was a big story in games. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. every site is still reporting the crap out of that game. Like, it's so funny. Like, again, working on Sifted Curating, you see what these sites are doing and, like, what their tactics and their strategies are. And, you know, they need page views and they need unique users to make money. And, like, the way they have continued to try to milk Pokemon Go for all it's worth, I think they're assuming that because here's what happens when you run a website, is you establish your audience. And then it becomes very difficult to get new unique users. Like, you end up, like, losing some here or there. Some of them will disappear for a month. Some of them will come back. It's very hard to get the new unique to come to your site. And I think, you know, they probably got a boon when Pokemon Go launched. And they're like, well, let's just keep this gravy train rolling. I don't know if it still is. I know our users don't give a crap about Pokemon Go anymore. Yeah. Like, we only, we only curate the very biggest stories from it. But literally, every gaming website, every day, still, has at least one story about Pokemon Go. Still. Mm. That's games. Now you start talking about the bigger outlets, the Yahoo's, the CNN's, the major cable networks, the local networks, all the people who, are di- who died playing Pokemon Go. That was reported on the local news everywhere. Like... <laughs> I think Pokemon Go may be the biggest news story in games since the Wii. Maybe. Certainly the first game, I think, that was timely, mentioned in a timely manner by a U.S. presidential candidate. Right. But, I mean, just you think back to the Wii, and, you know, there, again, local news was doing stories mm-hmm. on it. They were going to the local nursing home where Aunt Minnie was playing bowling with Uncle Joe or whatever. That's kind of the stuff that you saw with Pokemon Go. And then all the unfortunate stories about people getting hurt or beat up or the business angle of it with the Pokestops now where you're seeing, like, these mobile carriers giving Nintendo millions and millions of dollars just to turn their stores into Pokestops so people come in and then buy a phone. Like, it has just transcended games to just become this platform, this thing, this living, breathing entity. And it's not going away. Like, sure, the casuals have fallen off. There aren't as many people playing it. You don't see people walking around. Just think about that, Matt. How, when the game first came out, and even for the first month it was out, you just see people walking around, staring at their phone. Like, it's 
I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it in games. Mm-hmm. Like, it may be the first time I've ever seen a game just take over society in general. To the point where, I mean, think about it. There were people at congressional hearings where, like, people are getting ready to, like, give testimony. And they're, like, dozing off playing Pokemon <laughs> Go. And they're like, are you playing Pokemon? Oh, yes, I am playing Pokemon Go. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's crazy what this turned into. Yeah. Um, and it also follows a similar curve of the fad. Where big spike, the early adopters spike. who knew it was going to be awesome right from the beginning, or at least thought it was going to be awesome. Then that little lull, and then that slow and then quick build up to just critical mass, and then that tail off. It's like mm-hmm. all the trend dies, and like, and then ultimately it becomes. Have you seen? Uh, I mean, so you're. I mean, you're looking at all this stuff coming in on a daily basis. Have yeah. you, has there been any spike in interest uh, that you've noticed from the addition of the the Gen two Pokemon? No. No, that we, just we, we curated a story about it, and they put up like a third. Nintendo put out like a. Nintendo does not promote the game well, I might add. Mm. Like it's not like Nintendo's putting out official trailers for it or anything. Like hardly any. They almost kind of, seem kind of freaked out by it. Maybe. Like I don't. It's like they don't know how to react. There's hardly any official media for it. It's just Nintendo will put out a press release, or Niantic mm-hmm. will put out a press release saying, "Hey, we're." tweaking like the nearby feature or whatever now you can evolve this pokemon or here's two new pokemon or whatever i haven't even turned it on in probably three I months mean, i actually deleted it from my phone like a month ago or whatever i just i don't, don't care anymore but there's no denying that for a while there the whole oh, yeah. world i mean nfl players like a training camp, like it was just it just took over sam was playing it like sam's a good barometer of like what's the hot stuff like sam came in tonight and he's like i've been playing super mario run and and Sam was playing Pokemon Go. Like it, uh-huh. you, it's, it was bigger than games, but also big within games, which is kind of rare. So for me, I, I think it was the biggest news story. But it made millennials say more than meh. It did. <laughs> and that's what really counts. That's quite a task. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's move on. The next category: the worst game we played in 2016. Now look. We are saying this is the worst game from 2016 because there's all kinds of stuff on Steam Greenlight that yeah. shouldn't even be on there. Jim Sterling would have a few words to say right. about the worst thing he played. Right, after. exactly. This is personally the worst mm. game that we played. The worst time I had playing, playing a video game in 2016. Matt, what was it? Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> God, I hated that game. <laughs> Like, you finished it, though. I did finish it, just because like, I wanted to see how bad it got. Maybe so how like, many hours did you end up playing it for? 50-ish. 50-ish. <laughs> it was not as bad as Benson, who got a plat- the platinum at 109 hours. And they, how can you play, if you hate something, why did you play it for 50 hours? I'm sure that's what everyone in chat's asking right now. I don't know. Why do I? Why do I because partly it's my job. And partly, like, you want to be equipped for the argument. Yeah. Uh, it's the same reason I see Transformers movies on opening night. Well, you if you have a, I see that. If you have a strong opinion, and you do and did about Final Fantasy XV, if you don't play the whole thing, mm-hmm. your argument kind of right. loses also, some weight. And part of it was also because, like, when I'd complain to people about it that had already played it... Uh, universally, their response was, yeah, call me when you get to Chapter 13. If you think that's and, bad. Yeah. yeah, and Chapter 13, indeed, was terrible. Well, Square Enix has even admitted um, that. Yeah. He's changing it in a patch. And, and, like, I mean, the game's only 15 chapters long, so as long as I was there, I might as well finish it out. It's, right. You know, it's, all, it's, it's pretty short from the end of ch- Chapter 13 to the end of the game. Um, and simple. I mean, it was very, it's a very easy game. So I figured, yeah. well, as long as I come this, this far, I might as well do it. Um, 
I don't think there's anything in this game that hasn't been done better a hundred times by other games. I agree with that. And it's this weird thing where, like, I, yeah, I, 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 I've been over kind of like if, if whatever this thing does well or halfway decent is whatever, you know, triggers your I'm having fun button, like, you're going to like it, I guess. There's nothing like that in here because for me, it's... Utterly fails to be an open world kind of action RPG game, yeah. and then at the same time, it also utterly fails to dredge up kind of the the nostalgic feelings for playing a Final Fantasy JRPG. Like it, it's it's this weird hybrid of the two things, and none of it works to me. Yeah, the gr- Yeah, I guess it depends. Like, I'll say one thing: it's not balanced well at all. Because just no. like you, I'm in a place now where it's just like one or two hits, and I'm like wiping everything out. And like I didn't do hardly any side quests mm-hmm. at all. Like I'm just trying to get through the game, and I'm still like way overpowered. Like if as you, long as you if, use all the systems, I in did the find game, a way to um, to make it more challenging, and that's to give your uh, the rest of your party magic. Because they will just throw fire on you that hurts. Because you hurt yeah. each other with the magic. Yeah. So if you want it to be challenging, just let your party kill you <laughs> while they throw fireballs at guys. While you're just trying to hack them with a sword. I usually just give them one one of my party members a spell. No one has spelled had spells. In my, <laughs> I used magic once in the whole game. Really? To get the trophy for using magic. Oh, I use magic. I all never. The time. No, I never. I, I gave it. I gave some spells to the guys a couple times, and at some point, I'm just like, "Why am I dying?" Because so, they're because they're, they're spells throwing spells you, at yeah. me. So I'm just like, "Okay, you guys don't get to play with the Fira anymore." Yeah. Um. So that was that was just how it worked, and I didn't really need them either. Like, you know, they, sometimes they would die, but I'm just like, "No, nah, I can solo this stuff, whatever." Uh, you know, and there, there wasn't there's not much variety of the combat system. It's like you know, they, basically all they can do is give a boss more hit points. Yeah, you know, it's not like there was. There used to be some pretty interesting boss battle. And again, whenever they couldn't figure out how to make a boss battle more interesting, it just became a bunch of QTEs. Yeah, with one button, it was all the the circle button. Like there was no. I mean, the, we look, we've beaten this, the, yeah. this, this, we flogged this horse oh, yeah. to death. But the one thing I will say about it now that I, I'm about. 30 hours in, somewhere around there. The one thing I will say is that the only parts that rem- actually remind me of a Final Fantasy game, other than like the effeminate characters in it, are the bad parts of the Final Fantasies. Like, <laughs> like getting hit and losing all your health, and then scrambling to use the potion. Like, and it just happens over and over again. Like, every enemy, it's like it hits you, you lose all your health, use a potion. It happens 20 times, take an elixir, <laughs> lose all your health, use a potion. Like, the parts of Final Fantasies that I thought should have been left in the past are the only parts that they've really brought into this game. Um, I will say I am enjoying it more than you did or Which have, is interesting or... because you were a lot angrier about it than I was. Well, I am angry. I am still angry about it. Like, you know, I've, I wouldn't call myself... You, I mean, a... you called it garbage. It, look, look, the first ten hours of this game, it is garbage. Yeah. But what, I was gonna, what it kind of brought me, brought me to this was... What you were saying about how it doesn't have any of the of the, the tenets of JRPGs, and it does, and that's like that recessive gene that you have to make you keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I go back to like Tales of Symphonia that I played for sixty hours, and it finished, and I'm like, why did I do this? Like, there's. This thing that certain people have, and I have it, and it goes away for a while, but if I play a game for a long enough, I will get back into that groove where I will just sit there and just do uh, the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know what it is. I don't it's called know completionist why. disease. I guess, like, I just, 
I, think... I was doing it with the side quests in this game, which is ridiculous because they're all the same thing. It's all MMO 2006-era fetch quest yeah. stuff. But at a certain point, uh, you know, our friend Benson, like, he'd already finished it hour, you know, long ago. He was already grinding the optional bosses by that point. And finally, he's like, stop doing side stuff and finish the game so we can complain about the ending. <laughs> and I was, and he's like, do you just want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell? I'm like, no, I want to experience it so I don't well, I've earned see this. it through. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I finally just moved ahead and you know hit the linear part and got through it. But like you know, but I was it was hard, and I didn't wasn't even enjoying doing it. But I like leaving behind the fishing side quests was like, like I almost needed a twelve step program for that shit. Really? And I, I don't know why. Like it was not fun. Like it's not <laughs> enjoyable to do. Like I don't know what the, I, I don't know no what idea. that is. I don't, I don't know why you did play the fishing at all. Uh, let's see. Worst game I played this year, Mighty Number no. Nine. That's that was probably my other pick. That game is objectively bad. Yep, bad. And, and, I, and I backed that shit. <laughs> I was a backer. You on that and one. tens of thousands of other Oops. people. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, how if you look? How would you predict? The, this? No way in hell yeah. you could predict it. I mean, look, if there's a project and you're like, man, I really wish I could play another Mega Man game, and here's the guy who created, created freaking Mega, Mega Man. Man Saying, showing you concept art that looks like, like plagiarism Mega of Mega Man, and saying I want to make another Mega. I mean, this was the surest bet ever. Yep. How did it end up being the dude? Did Inafune really not do anything on the Mega Man games back in the day? I'm starting to wonder. Did he have like some apprentice or protege working for him that like, and he took all the credit? Like, I don't understand it. How do you make those Mega Man games, and then? 20 years later, when presumably you're an even better developer, you make this. I I don't understand it, dude. I never will. I'll never understand how this game be. And look, it wasn't rushed. It, no. it was delayed like three or four times. Nobody had a knife to his throat saying you needed the game out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'll never understand it. I don't know. It's like... The challenge of Mega Man is fine because the payoff is worth it and when the controls are tight and like you nail it, like that feeling of accomplishment you get. This game, I never got that. Mm -mm. Like, I just felt like it was cheap and garbage. Like, so bad. Made me like paranoid about other crowdfunding. I was, I, that's... Yeah, one, we'll make you paranoid. Yeah, one of the things I beelined for at E3 this year was Bloodstained. Right. Uh, Iga, Igarashi's, uh, yeah. you know, Castlevania successor. Which is kind of the same thing which as is, this. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm just saying in the same vein. Same it's vein, like you yeah. have the guy who made the original, they right. can't, can't make it anymore. So he's going to make the closest thing Which is basically the same game with a new skin. Yeah. yeah. And that is awesome. Yeah. Like, Bloodstained well, I don't know if I'd great. say that yet. It's, uh, what it, but it feels really good. It yeah. feels good in a way that this doesn't. And Bloodstains is still Bloodstain is still like a year and a half minimum out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, that made me feel a little better. And there was a de they put the E three demo up for everybody to download and play. Uh, and uh, probably as in part as a reaction to this might be because it's like you got to rebuild some confidence in this whole concept. But you're right. You're absolutely nine. right. That's a good point, Matt. That games like Mighty Number no. Nine could totally squash people's willingness to invest mm -hmm. in product it was the sure thing yeah it was the surest thing and it was like kind of the first big kickstarted game that everybody collectively said to each other we're good 
mm-hmm. we're good here. Like, this is going to yeah. be great. Like, like, Broken Age was more of like, yeah, we'd like to see what this right. turns out to be. But this was yeah. like, oh, no, probably, Money in yeah, the bank. Done. Take my money. Yeah. Like, yeah. And everybody got burned in the end. Yeah. And so... And With no apparent hope. Like they, I know. At least my pick, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15 is going to get some patching and some improvements. Right, right. You know, they've, they've admitted like we're going to work on this more, but I don't think Mighty Number no. Nine is going to get that. No, I would also say too that I'm in a very lucky position if Mighty Number no. Nine was the worst game I played this year. True, because there are so many worse games coming out. <laughs> there are some really bad games out there. Still, oh, you should have tried some of the stuff I played on VR. Yeah, there was some. Well, I mean, I'm playing VR games. They're yeah. not. Most of them are. But I mean, like it, it, the if you dig through the Vive library on Steam, uh, there's some stinkers in there. I see it all. I mean, a lot of them it are all free, comes in to sifted, and we sift it and sift it out because <laughs> uh, VR isn't huge on sifted anyway. Yeah, so but it's just woof. That's half the problem of the Vive right now is like separating the wheat from the chaff right yeah. now. And the, all, you know, I try not to count like uh, early access stuff because that could still. Be, you know, I know that's technically released, but right. like I, but I at least, really. yeah, I want to give them to their to the 1.0 version. You know, there's, right. there's a couple early access games I played this year that would arguably also make the most disappointing thing, but they're not done yet. Right. But Mighty Number no. Nine was, uh, or at least they said it was done. I don't think it was done. No. All right, let's move on to the game we didn't get. Just to kind of explain how this works, this is a game that. Large groups of people have enjoyed, have trumpeted, mm-hmm. have said other people should play, and then we played them, and we were like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so, Matt, what is your pick for the game you didn't get from 2016? Uh, for this specific category, The Witness is number one with a bullet. Yeah, I look, that was my second choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Would have more fun walking around a park with a book of line puzzles. Like, (laughs) I don't understand why this got so much praise because it's the same variant of the same puzzle over and over again with no remote, not even the barest attempt to meld it into the world in any way. It's just, here's an island where some, you know, there's just a bunch of screens to solve puzzles on. It's just. Dude, it's a Jonathan Blowjob. I know. But I like Braid. Dude, if we had made this. Nobody would have cared. <laughs> Nobody would have cared. Yeah. It would have sold like two copies, and that's because my mom and your mom bought it. <laughs> that's it. And my mom would have been like, Riven was better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would have said, I'm too old for this. <laughs> she, it's, um, I, I played like five or six hours of it, I, I want to say. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, I'm just like, why? You can see where why it's all headed, it? like yeah, right I away. Like, I don't, you know, it's... I don't, know, I don't want to get into spoilers in case someone right. actually manages to enjoy this game because I know a lot of people did. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like people, you know, it's not, it's not like it was like horrible. I'm just, I just got tired of doing the same, you know, genre of puzzle over and over again. Uh, I do not understand the people that like treated this as some kind of transcendent experience. Dude, this guy made millions of dollars off this game. Well, hey, what am, where am I going wrong, Matt? <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Well, he's also spent his entire life savings making it. So. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess. Risk he, big, win big. I guess. And sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes once, you don't. Once in a while. <laughs> but again, I feel like this is a game that a lot of people kind of gave the benefit of the doubt to because of who made it. Mm. Um, I don't think a lot of people would even give it a chance if he wouldn't have been the developer behind the game. 
Um, I'm not going to say someone's wrong for enjoying it or anything like mm-hmm. that, but he had the advantage of this pedigree that convinced people to try it, and then some people really liked it, some people didn't like us. Um, it's a fine puzzle game, but to hear it being in like the game of the year consideration, that seems... I mean, I put it in the poll mm. for our users to vote on, and a couple people voted it game of the year, so... Well... They want a very different thing from their games than yeah, I do. Yeah, which is fine, you which know. Fine, yeah. Not different strokes for different folks, but I can totally see I didn't get it either. Mm. So I can see where that would be your pick. My pick, we just talked about Final Fantasy 15. I cannot understand. I have like there's a few people on Sifted who are who just love Final Fantasy 15. Um, a couple of them have like approached me on Twitter and said that I'm playing it wrong. Like how do you play a game wrong? If you're well, playing... you play a game wrong by disagreeing with someone on it, apparently. Right. <laughs> They're like, you're playing it wrong. I'm like, one, you can't play a game wrong. Two, if I were playing the game wrong, whose fault is that? It's not my fault. It's the game's fault, which means the game isn't good. Also, if you're playing it wrong, why are you progressing? Right. Yeah. If I was playing it wrong, I, I don't even know what that statement means. What does that mean? It means start liking what I like. Pretty much, yeah, translation. Yeah. You don't like it, and I do, and you're wrong, and I'm yeah. right. But I've been playing games a long time, and I don't think I'm wrong on this yeah, one. Yeah, I don't either. That's because I, and I've, and I've gone, we've gone into this before, it's like, there's things I really enjoy that I will freely call bad. Yeah. There's stuff, I, there's movies I like that are bad movies, but I get enjoyment out of them. Right. And... Just because I like it doesn't mean I think it's good. Yeah. Or doesn't mean I'd tell someone else to do it. You know, it's... And Final Fantasy XV seems to fall into that to some degree, where it's like, hey, if, if this does it for you, great, but it's it's subpar in just about every imaginable way. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's parts that I like about it. Like, I love the creatures in the game. I think they're really inventive and they're well animated. Oh, yeah. Give me an art book and a soundtrack and I'll have a great time. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack <laughs> is great. It's really good. Um... But there's so much many other parts about it that I can't tolerate and I can't understand how somebody else could say it's great. I can see other people mm-hmm. saying, oh, I can deal with this. Yeah. But to say it's, like, great, it's, like, objectively, no, it's not. Like <laughs> the, the, the big one I don't get on this one are the people that say it's got, like, the most amazing living open world they've ever seen. It's crazy. And that they, they can, like, favorably compare it to stuff like The Witcher or stuff Dude. like that where I'm like... I just don't know what you're looking at because there's nothing in this world except fetch quests, random encounters, and freeways. I don't even have problems with that. My problem is, like, it's an open world game and the level design is terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if this happened to you very often, but it happens to me all the time where I'm trying to get to a waypoint and you discover that... The random barriers yeah. are happening? Yeah. And you have to run, like, three miles around mm-hmm. some dumbass barrier. There's never, like, an inlet to go... It's just... I'm getting I'm getting wound up yeah. again, Matt. I'm getting wound up again. Getting crazy up in here. Yeah, I just and also it's like you do. It's just you, like you I design said, it all like poor. Right. But also like you design it all like that, and then you give me this pathetically short stamina bar yeah. for sprinting. Oh yeah. That I that, that was the first two upgrades I got was stamina, and it's still not enough. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't get it. As the category, but says, that's I don't get the it. category of the game. I don't get. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. I don't get it. Which I think is a better way to phrase something than overrated. Yeah. Because overrated doesn't really mean it. Overrated means 
By who? Uh, yeah, overrated means like, hey, all you people praising this game I don't like. Stop stop liking what I don't like. Right. Whereas I don't get it. It's like, you, know, I just, you, do, you do you, but yeah. I don't okay, <laughs> I you know. can't do you. <laughs> I would not do, do you. you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm 30-some hours into the game. I Does it change? Yeah. I mean, if you haven't gotten to Chapter 13, oh. it changes. I have not it, got there yet, It's not yet, a positive actually. thing, but it changes. I, I think I'm on Chapter And then 20. it goes back to the way it was. Interesting. So anyway, I don't get Final Fantasy XV. I'm glad if some of you guys bought it and you feel that you're happy with the money that you spent on it. Like, I would never wish on somebody that they bought a game and they hated it like i'm glad that some of you got it and you're totally happy that you spent the 60 bucks on it but uh i certainly would have had a better time if i liked it yeah <laughs> I, mean, it's, I, I was willing i actually paid for this game we didn't get one yeah. from square enix yeah. i paid my own cash for it and i'm not happy with my 60 dollar yeah. purchase although i've got 30 hours of something out of it yeah is it enjoyment you got a lot of content out of it i mean look i grind along like i have that recessive gene like it's a big reason why i like fire emblem and it's a big reason why i like Mm -hmm. pokemon i am one of those people who will play get into a game and just grind it grind his teeth to dust and uh and i'm playing the game i'm 30 hours in and i keep going and you know i just sit there like i laugh at the game half the time and smirk at it and anyway i don't get it i don't get it all right let's move on best Graphics, Matt. Now we're in the runner-up categories. Yep, so these, this is the beginning of the categories where we will give a runner-up and a winner. Uh, one, two, three, four categories to go in our Game of the Year Awards for 2016. So, best graphics, Matt, what is your runner-up? My runner-up uh, is Uncharted 4. Um, it's pretty much beautiful yeah like it sure is like there's more in any given and look, sam did a great job picking the perfect clip to show for yeah. us too I mean, any given this. like location there is more effort put into that environment than probably entire other games yeah for for nothing like it's so like why it's just you know, but it's like the little things are what add to the suspension of disbelief in these situations so yeah maybe you didn't have to model every single individual orange in that fruit cart you just overturned and now you can't see it anymore a split second later yeah. but your but your brain saw it yeah you know it helped subconsciously yeah and naughty dog that's why naughty dog uh, makes its people work 80 hours a week yeah like that's that's and they all look miserable in their recruiting yeah. videos where they're supposed to convince people to work there but no, really, it's not that hard. Not that bad. We, I went home at least twice this week. They're like, <laughs> like, yeah, like their hand, like sign languaging, help me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. But um, they get the results. They get results are there, right yeah. there on the screen. It's all. It's not like you know. It's not like poor planning is causing that. It's just yeah. over ambition, and that ambition trickles down to the player. And it takes time. Anything else you want to expand upon with um, Uncharted's visuals? Still, you know, some of the best motion capture in the business in terms of facial expressions. And uh, uh, I will admit that in the Jeep sequence, uh, when you get to the, the kind of the part where you can just drive around in the Jeep, I drove around making tire tracks in the mud yeah. like for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's just like... It, the game's know. loaded with stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely loaded. All right, my runner-up is Battlefield 1. I think anyone who's played this game knows yeah. why. Uh, the historical accuracy. The fact that we're seeing, in all honesty, World War One. there isn't a lot of great footage from World War no. One. Like, there is some color. A little bit, yeah. There's some color footage. There's, not much. There's some HD footage. 
it will somehow film, the film, film is HD. It? So, but if you've got a good enough, you know, if it survived well enough, yeah, yeah, you can get HD out of that. But I mean, otherwise, we've never seen this mm. war, this era, so in such high fidelity, yeah. and. The fact that you can you have 64 players running around on a map, the thing never buckles. Um, I mean, an argument could be made a lot of the multiplayer maps are pretty barren. Um, I can't really disagree with that. Mm. And But the other thing I would say, too, is that you know playing this game on the PC is a whole other experience versus playing it on the consoles. Yep. And uh, so there's, there's kind of that caveat that kind of keeps me mm. from giving it the winner. Uh, but there are some moments in this game visually uh, that I've never experienced before in other games. I mean, on a technical level, just the level of detail, like when it's raining, like you can see like individual drops of like rain running down like the barrel of your gun. Uh, when you're riding in tanks, you can see like water pooling on the like the big cannon mm-hmm. and then building up to that critical mass and then spilling like down the sides of the barrel. Like kind of like with Uncharted, there's just an acute attention to detail. Um, And I think, uh, you know, the Frostbite 2 uh, game engine is, you know, they've designed it to sort of impress in this way, and it really does. Uh, Same with Battlefront last year. Uh, This this one outdoes Battlefront, I think, by far. Um, But yeah, it's it's amazing. The other thing I love about this game, too, well, there's also this destruction, which is great, which a lot of games still don't do. In fact, Uncharted doesn't really have this. Well, I guess it does, actually. Uncharted does have destruction. Somewhat. Scripted stuff and, like, you know, little things, but you're blowing walls up in this game. Especially with the tank. The tank's just like, eh, whatever. If it's in your way, just knock it over. And, like, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just blow over through around pretty much anything in the game. Yep. And the other thing I love about this game, too, is that every once in a while, the developers just, like, flex their muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, you come up over a little rise, and there's just, like, 80 dudes running at you. <laughs> and, and you know, you look back at, like, last generation, of at least on consoles, like, you know, you have 20 guys coming at you, you'd, like, freak out. Now there's, like, 100. So, they know what they're doing over there, those yeah. guys. Like, they, uh, they know how to be subtle, and they also know how to just kind of shove it in your face and be like, look at this, bro. And def- I think they definitely get uh, most improved when it comes to the campaign. Yeah, I mean, the campaign was probably ultimately my, my biggest disappointment with the game. Mm. But in terms of di- what DICE has done for campaigns oh, yeah. in the past... Oh, yeah. Like, most uh, improved campaign of this year, if we had that category, would yeah. go to this game, without a doubt. Because their campaigns were absolute mm. trash. And, they, this. and this was much better about, you know... Because previously, a lot of the... Previ- like, certainly Battlefield 3 campaign was like, look at all the pretty graphical tricks we can do. Right. Oh, what, gameplay? You want oh, to actually play oh, this? Sorry. Yeah. So this one finally found that balance. You know, they, they got all their big ooh-ah moments in, but they still made it fun to play. Yep. All right, let's move on to our winners for best graphics. Matt. Uh, my winner is Battlefield 1. <laughs> so, I guess we don't have to talk about why it won for too long then. Yeah, well, I mean, I played it on PC, uh, on which, you know, Uncharted 4 is amazing, but there were moments in this game where I'm like, I can't believe I can control this. Yeah. Like, it, you know, there's points where it's like it feels like you're moving CG Video Not even around, like CG. You know? Like there's sometimes it's just like almost oh, yeah. photorealistic. Like, there's you know even, even sections of things were like you know like there's a early on I think the second chapter of the tank thing you have to get out of the tank and do some stealth stuff 
I mean, you can just run well, in just and blow right stuff now, up. Look at the little oh, yeah. clumps of dirt kicked up by the tracks. But I remember, like, I don't even like stealth s- sections like that. Yeah. But I was like, like, oh my god, this is amazing. Look at the leaves. You yeah. know? And, like, I didn't even <laughs> mind having to do stealth stuff because the whole time I was just amazed by what it looked like. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, that is a level of graphics whoredom that I just do not reach much anymore. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're jaded old men. We yeah. don't get impressed by we've this stuff anymore. But this thing, I mean, on on console too. Like it, you know, even like the you know, I think the footage you run here is uh, PS4. Yeah. And like this looks incredible. It does. Like it's and in the deformation of the terrain and this the the the, the particles everywhere and the and the, the well, there's debris, those little chains incredible. there. You see them? Like they yeah. actually sway back and forth. See them? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like you know, it was it was it's a bit of a coin flip. You know, from my runner up and for this, it's. It's kind of what you value more, uh, but in the end, like I just was a little fraction of a tiny millimeter more wowed by this. Which segues nicely into my winner for best graphics of 2016, <laughs> which is Uncharted 4. Hey, <laughs> we just had a flip flop. <laughs> I think we did that last year too. I think we did. Yeah. Uh, for me, I it was more clear cut for me with Uncharted. Um, Battlefield cheats a little bit because it's on PC. It has all that extra horsepower that it can use at its disposal, which honestly doesn't matter in this category because it's really best graphics. It doesn't matter how they get there or what they do or what tricks they use or what hardware it's on. It's just what's the best-looking game. But beyond like the actual horsepower part, which I would actually give a nod to Battlefield for, like technically mm. with draw distance and stuff like that, Battlefield, I think, is probably the superior game technically. But taking on the whole of what the games do, I think Uncharted 4 is heads and shoulders above Battlefield 1. I mean, just what you're talking about with the mud. Mm. Just the mud in this game is mind-blowing. Like the one scene where they flip in the Jeep and he's trapped underneath the Jeep. Just like watch the little flames that are... It's like... It's mind-boggling the amount of work that Naughty Dog put into this game. And look, on the other flip side of it, too, is it is impressive what it did with the hardware. I mean, Uh this game competes with Battlefield 1 on PC on this crappy little plastic hunk of metal called the PlayStation 4. Like, it's a technical achievement on, on so many levels. And working within that closed system has its advantages. But more, when you're comparing it to a PC game has many more disadvantages than advantages. And, uh, I mean, just everything, the character models, the facial animation, the smoke, the the particle effects, the, the water effects, just everything is just... It feels like every element of that game is the best, graphical element of that game, is the best or near the best I've ever seen in a video game. Mm-hmm. It's just like right there. They just showed starting up the Jeep. The speedometer goes up. Like, that's all real time. Like, that thing is modeled in there. Like, it's just incredible. I, it's, to me, technically, and I mean, if you really take into consideration the hardware it's built on, it is the greatest technical achievement of this year, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I, uh, I mean, just look at the grass and the foliage. It's all, it, you know, the frame rate's not 60. No. But it's pegged at 30. And you can't knock that tree down. No. <laughs> That's true. And you're, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, being able to destroy an environment is a big deal. And that's why I say Battlefield 1 on raw horsepower undoubtedly mm. is technically the superior game. But when I take everything into consideration, the art, mm. the attention to detail, the small little things, the shaders, the effects. the Do you think anything will top this game on PS4? 
that isn't made by Naughty Dog? Highly doubtful. Death Stranding? I mean... In 2020? Years know. from now? I mean, looking at Horizon Zero Dawn, it doesn't look like it can compete. I don't... I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn looks great, but it doesn't look like this. No. I don't think. I don't either. Unless it's... You know, I mean, the HDR is a, is a thing. I mean, the other like, thing about this, too, is that... You just know, the was, fidelity of what you're seeing in this game is on another level. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was talking earlier about the draw distance in Battlefield. I mean, the draw distance in this game is not... is nothing to slouch at, either. No. Like, no. it's still... Amazing, and like the other details, like the Jeep, like there's that can in the back. And watch, it yeah, shakes around, around, like it's bouncing around. Like, well, they mastered they mastered that with the train in Uncharted too. Yeah, like, I mean, it's like physics acting on a thing that's also on another thing that has physics acting on that, and then the physics of the thing acting on the other thing, in addition to the physics. I mean, there's well, so the many layers of driving that. the car yeah. in, the, in the mud, like the Jeep in the mud, and like how your tires spin in the mud. Or how, uh, and... how the dirt gets on the Jeep in real time and then washes off in the water. I, man, it's just it's great. To answer your question, no, I really don't think anyone will top Naughty Dog on this platform. I mean, it's hard to say Death Stranding is going to do it because it's using the mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn engine, <laughs> like. I'm sure he'll make some tweaks to it, but I, I mean, you know, and he already has a PS4 game out there. They already built an engine, and we saw the the output from that engine. So, for me, Uncharted 4 was clearly mm. the winner. Like I said, raw horsepower, and, and looking at it just from a technical standpoint, it's probably not as good as the PC version of Battlefield mm. 1. Certainly better than the PS4 version of Battlefield 1. Mm. Uh, but when everything's taken into consideration, I just feel it's just head and shoulders ahead. So yeah, I think uh, my uh, history nerd, inner history nerd, was pushing Battlefield. Sure, I mean over that, that, that matters. You know, it makes a big mm-hmm. difference. And I mentioned that. You know how I'm, I'm I, sure to, I definitely had the better fruit. Yeah, good way to put it. <laughs> better fruit modeling. Yeah. All right. Next up, most innovative game of 20. Mm-hmm. This is always a category I care a whole heck of a lot about. Uh, I'm always trying to push for innovation, and innovation is something that generally drives the game evals on Sifted, and it's something that I look for in games when I'm evaluating games, and, and you know, a game that's innovative versus a game that's not is definitely going to get a bump from me in a lot of regards. So, Matt, what is your runner-up for the most innovative game of 2016? Uh, my runner-up was uh, a game I didn't actually like all that much, but I thought it did some really cool things, Dishonored 2. Interesting. Um... Uh, mainly because of the various ways you can kill people. There's a lot of... They definitely expanded that. But I thought the the thing where you can look into the past... Oh, yeah. And switch that back and forth. That little, like, mirror like, yeah. thing. Yeah, Like, yeah. that is probably the coolest single device in a game this year. It's actually kind of similar to Titanfall 2. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I think Dishonored 2 made it more of a gameplay element through... You know, once it's... Like and and when I saw it at E you know at E three or the the E three demo of it, I was like that kind of blew my mind. Like you know, yeah. I, every once in a while you hit that point where you think there's nothing that they can surprise you with anymore. Yeah. And Dishonored two managed to do that with with that yeah, specifically. Yeah. So um, when it came down to a, a year that I think was pretty pedestrian it in this really department, was. and we have to have two yeah. picks. <laughs> like the first thing that came to mind for a runner up was was Dishonored two because of that time time fan window thing whose name I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember it either actually. So. Uh, so I gotta go with that, even though I. It's wasn't... sad that we have to. We're picking like an element of a right. game, but that's kind of where we're at. Uh, yeah. All right, my uh, runner-up for most innovative is Pokemon Go. Interesting. And, and honestly, if there hadn't have been the game before it that it was basically cloned on, it probably would have yeah. ingress. It probably would have won for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the innovation in this game is pretty obvious because. It gets people out of the house to play a video game. Well, even compared to Ingress, 
it's uh, innovative in the sense that it's playable. Right. <laughs> it's ingress sucked. Yeah, yeah. I could I couldn't I tried to play, I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. Right. But Pokemon Go is very straightforward and it's a good thing it is because it doesn't help you very much. But like uh, it was something that just clearly anyone could put on their phone, go out and get and and, and understand and, and be there playing and feeling like they were making progress. Well in my opinion it's the first successful augmented reality game ever. Mm-hmm. Like there were all those AR games that were out at the launch of the Vita that were all terrible, or there's like that fighting game where the guys would fight on the table, and like, <laughs> there's been all oh, these... Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, and yeah. there was like AR for 3DS. For 3DS, it came with the cards. And yeah, stuff. with the cards and everything, and all of it is sucked. And not only did this manage to make an AR game that's amazing, like, I remember Sam, Sam went to a football game, and took Pokemon Go to a football game with him, and he took a shot of the football field from up in the <laughs> yeah. stands, and there was a Pokemon on the field that was like 50 feet tall, and it looked... Legit. It looked like there was a 50-foot Pokemon, like, right at the 50-yard line. Like, that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what this game, maybe the best innovation about this game is that it managed to be cool in a way that it appealed to, the coolness appealed to everybody. Not just nerds like us who really get into tech stuff, but people who maybe didn't play, a vi- haven't played a video game in years. Like, my wife. Like, she went through a period where she would play games, and I got her, like, a a DS from Japan and brought it back as a special gift and she played that for like a week mm-hmm. and then it went in the closet and like never was used again. Pokemon Go got her back into games. She started playing games again. And I noticed her starting to ask me questions about games I'm playing on the TV like Final Fantasy 15. She's like, what the hell is that? I was, I was amazing. You know, it's not as much anymore but for a while there the park near my apartment was Filled. three times as full as it ever has been in the years I've lived there. And you'd walk, I mean, you'd walk up and down Wilshire Boulevard and people, everyone's looking at their phones and you'd stop for a se- second to catch something and you'd hear someone near you go, are you playing? Like, that, that, was, yeah. that was the phrase. I was like, are you playing? Yeah. Like, yeah, playing. And like, you'd, you'd trade things. And I made friends, like, just met random people on the street. Like, it's innovative in that way. It's innovative from a technolo- technological standpoint. It's innovative from a social perspective. Um, it's innovative because it was really one of Nintendo's first properties on mobile. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just want to go to the base element of it, like, I think it'll be a long time until there's another game that yeah. makes the kind of noise that Pokemon Go did. Yeah, and you can't do that unless you, it's something that's disruptive, and yeah. that's exactly what Pokemon Go was. I think uh, you can't predict it, because if we could predict it, we'd do we'd it. Do it. <laughs> we yeah. would, I wouldn't be sitting here right now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, what is your winner for most innovative, Matt? Uh, my winner is uh, the lab. Again. All right. Um, just the funny part was like we were talking about the prior one. I was like, "Well, you know, we didn't bring up VR." Then I remembered what your pick was. I was like, "Oh, I." Yeah. Well, he, I, he I, did didn't, pick I VR. didn't pick one of the platforms or VR itself. I picked the lab because I think the lab uh, is the best. If you if you have access to a Vive, I think play the lab, and it will kind of show you. Oh, this is the potential of this thing. It's not even that everything in it is amazing or the best thing you're going to play in VR. Although I do think, as a whole, it's the the best thing I played. You know, it's the thing I go back to the most if yeah. I just want to play a quick round of something on VR. Um, but it, you know, and it's this, also the thing I use to demo VR, my the Vive for people to come over if they want to. I'm like, okay, do the tutorial in Steam VR, and now I'm going to lo- load the lab up, and you're going to. Play what you want to play, and it's the thing that shows like people come out of it, like, wow, I get it now. Yeah, and um, you know, 
it kind of it's a little Mario sixty four ish in the sense that it's sort of I think it's codified how you present some of this stuff well, in this new that. media. Yeah. Uh, and you know, leave it to Valve to course, be able to yeah. do that. Um, so yeah, I, I, that was definitely the thing that I came away from thinking like I'd played something I'd never I'd never played before, and I'd played something that's going to matter going forward in terms of how people do things. Dude, we have VR, virtual reality. In our houses right now, man. Yeah. Think about that. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, but seriously, like, it's something that when we were younger, we never thought would happen. Mm-hmm. We never, ever thought it would happen. Like, and so I agree with you. Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. choose VR as, as the innovation to find the experience that kind of defines it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So, this, my pick might surprise people for most innovative. My pick is Overwatch. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier when I gave it uh, Best Multiplayer Award, is that it, it has managed to take a genre that everyone thought was tired, everyone thought had been wrung dry and bled for everything it was worth, and completely reinvigorate it and make it inviting to an entirely new audience. I mean, some of its inspiration could certainly be attributed to Team Fortress 2. I mean, sort of the character-driven element of it, the identifying with a particular character instead of just being random soldier 42581B or whatever. Mm. Although I think there is actually a character in this game that's named something like soldier that. Soldier 76, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? You don't, like, you don't think it's a little too derivative of uh, Team Fortress 2? That's what I just said. Yeah? Oh, you were reading the chat. I'm reading the chat. Oh, <laughs> that's exactly what I just said. That it owes a little bit to Team Fortress 2. Oh, it definitely does. I don't think it goes as far as like that quarter to three list that called it Team Fortress Three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because I think the thing that people miss is uh, about this game is it's the Blizzard difference. If I might borrow Nintendo's tagline for a moment. Yeah. Like, because I th- I think we've seen that just because you made a character shooter doesn't mean you're going to be a success. Not certainly not on this level. Well, Battleborn certainly proved Battle- that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, go go ask the Gearbox guys about that. I mean, yeah. not that they're the same game necessarily, but like. There's similarity, you know. You can't deny that, like, you know, okay, there's a multi-armed dude doing Zen stuff in both of them, and there's right. you know, like, there's, there's, you know, and one of them did this, and one of them is like three dollars right now. So yeah. there's a difference here. In, in reference to the Team Fortress Two thing, I think it certainly inspired this game, mm-hmm. but I think this this game took the very simple concept that Team Fortress Two had and made it a, a smashing success. Mm-hmm. Team Fortress 2, I barely played it. I, I think I played it for, like, maybe a week. And I know there are people who are still playing it today, and they're, they love their hats and all the little microtransactions <laughs> that they got going on there. But the characters in the characters in Team Fortress 2 almost were like a family. Like, it's like they were, like, from the same parents or something like that, and it didn't feel like, other than the, what the abilities that they could do, there wasn't a lot of diversity. And even the abilities weren't all that diverse. It's like one guy's better at sneaking and has a handgun. One guy can build turrets. The breadth of the characters and the capabilities in this game change it from, and like I said earlier, from being a shooter to something that really defies description. It's It's got MOBA elements. I mean, that's one part of this that... No other shooter had taken on before Overwatch. No other shooter had sort of had the lane concept and sort of looked at the structure of an action game in the same vein that Riot looks at its lanes in League of Legends. Um, The variety of characters, there's someone for everybody. Like in Team Fortress 2, you had like the spy who could kind of sneak around. You had the engineer who could build a turret. But otherwise, there really wasn't that 
You don't see people cosplaying as Team Fortress 2 characters like you do with Overwatch. The characters are not as distinctive and as varied and have sort of these completely different abilities. Every character in Overwatch plays completely differently. The characters in Team Fortress 2 seem to have one or two little unique things that they do differently from the others, I guess is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. And so, sure, there's no doubt Overwatch was inspired a little bit by Team Fortress 2, but it did what Valve should have done six years ago with Team Fortress 2 and turned it into what this has become. And because of what it did, it has created this game that everybody loves, whether you're male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. Everyone loves playing Overwatch. And it's become, it's a platform. It's something that's going to go on forever. You are also seeing probably the best statement I can say for how innovative this game is, is how many clones are already coming. Mm -hmm. And look, they can all say that like, oh, we were working on this game before. It's like, well, funny, you're, we didn't see your game until Overwatch came out. So... Like Paladins. Or maybe you were working on like three different things and this suddenly got moved to the moved four, to the front, forefront. Right. It's like Paladins has five million players and it's in beta. Why is that? Because people love freaking Overwatch and they're like, this is kind of the same. Like, I love Overwatch so much, I'm going to try this. So I think the, the best way to determine how innovative something is is to see how much it is ultimately duplicated and copied on down the line. And I think we're already seeing it with Overwatch and I think we are going to keep seeing it for mm. the foreseeable future so i hope they come up with a new game mode so soon. yeah but i think that's part of the charm of it though too is that it's not overly complicated right. like, everybody understands it like after a couple of matches you get it mm. and then it becomes oh you, i got it then you've learned the rules <laughs> then it becomes a matter of learning your characters and that's mm -hmm. the other thing i love about this game and it makes it different from every other shooter is that you learn your character, and that's the thing about MOBAs, too. It's like, when I play League of Legends, like, I have three characters I can really play as competitively. Like, every once in a while, I'm like, alright, I'll try a new guy. And then you get destroyed, and you're like, well, people hate me for getting destroyed. I'm gonna go back, and I'm gonna go play the three characters that I'm good at. And that's kind of the way you play Overwatch. You get this core of characters you're really good at, and you want to play seriously. You play as your mains, and then you get to tinker around with some of these other guys, and like... It's fun. Like, playing with every character in this game is fun in its own way. And uh, I just feel like it's changed this genre forever. I think you're going to see the big shooters next year following some of the same ideas. I think you're going to see Call of Duty starting to find distinctive ways to create characters. I wouldn't even be surprised if the next Call of Duty just flat out gets rid of the whole military jargon. Or at least the one two or three years from now because they're kind of trapped in that three-year cycle thing now, but... Yeah, like I would, I'm very interested to see what the next Sledgehammer Call of Duty looks like in yeah. that regard. Or the next Infinity War one, because they have now a yeah, three-year cycle. Three a three-year window now. But I think Sledgehammer's will probably... Was Sledgehammer next or Treyarch's next? Treyarch's Sled, next. No, Sledgehammer's, Sledgehammer's next. next. So yeah. Treyarch would be... I don't think Treyarch will deviate from their formula. I don't formula. know. What, one thing I was thinking about is, you know, when we first found out about... And this is a totally ta total tangent here, but... When we first found out about that three-dev cycle for Call of Duty, we all thought it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, well, that gives each team three years to build a game, which means it's going to be of the highest quality and blah, blah, blah. What I didn't take into account at that time was these teams are locked in. Yeah. It keeps the series from being able to be nimble. Because mm -hmm. now you look at it, it's like, look, Treyarch's next game is already like probably in production. Yeah. It's probably done with pre-production. They're building the game now. Obviously... Sledgehammer's coming down the home stretch with its. The only team right now that has a chance to react to Overwatch is Infinity Ward, whose game just came out a month ago. So 
now you're like on this thing where like you can't react to anything. Mm -hmm. Like you can't. It's hard. I think it's the same problem that Assassin's Creed had. It is. They, they had so and many which different is people why they had to it. shut it down. And they and they weren't able to build on. You know, it's also the same problem that WWE games have. Yeah, you're they right. They just aren't able to build on what they did previously because it's always made by different people. Yeah, it's on a squirrel wheel. Yeah. So, anyway, that may be a controversial pick for most innovative. I think in three years from now you'll look back and you'll be like Shane was right, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. Two categories left, Matt. Mm -hmm. Most anticipated game of 2017. What is your runner-up? My runner-up is Star Trek Bridge Crew. Your which I'm sure game, best game, game of, of the show at E3, which I'm pretty sure everybody's tired of hearing me talk about by now <laughs> if they've been watching the show. Yeah. Um, but just like you, I, you know, I think you had your Star Trek Bridge Crew experience with werewolves. Uh, within, yeah, I within. did. And uh, it's that same thing. It's that you know, for me, the the moment in uh, Star Trek was you know we put we were in the demo room for at E3, and we all put our Oculuses on, and uh, you know got our motion motion control. We had the t Oculus touches for this, and I think you want a motion controller for this game. Whatever platform you play it on, have a motion controller. Um, and we were looking around, and I looked over, uh, you know, to my, I was at the, at the helm, and I looked over to my right, and there's the, the, the weapons guy who was sitting there, and he looks over at me, and he waves. <laughs> the, pl the player sitting next to me, who I can't see, but yeah. I can see in the game, looks at me and waves at me. <laughs> and, like, there was just this moment of, like, oh, my God. That's like, what I'm saying. What? Like, like, it, you, can't, you, can't, you can't put it into words. Yeah. You have to be there. You have to have the head-mounted display on. And you have to have that moment where you connect with another human in a mm -hmm. virtual world. Like, and I just think, there's nothing that feels like it. And I just feel, you know, the, the gameplay will get stale somewhat quickly, I think, once you've done all the missions yeah. and played all the roles. But I feel but like I I'm never. I feel well. like I'm never going to get tired of jumping online to play a mission, and because it's all voice chat, it's all voice communication. Right. On you know the captain has to tell everybody what to do, and you report that you're doing. You know, Rye captain course laid in the whole thing. Right. And like, I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of doing that. Yeah. Like, like the interactions with the other players is never going to get old. Just like where you know, Werewolf Within is, you know, that's a simple game at, in, at, at the at its core. But the 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 appeal is the interaction with these other people. It's the human element, because humans are always. And different. Ubisoft seems to have just found that. Yeah. Like it's amazing they've done it across two games now. Yep. But I think they figured it out. I yeah. think they figured out that core concept of mm -hmm. really what sings in VR is when you're working with other human beings because yeah. human beings are wild cards. We're different every day. Every week we come in here to shoot this show, you're in a different mood. I'm in a different mood. Sam's in a different mood. Like Sam's that's... always grumpy. <laughs> He's not, by the way. Sam, <laughs> Sam is awesome. That was just a joke. But uh, but everyone's has your moods, and some days, like I jokes just crack off the top of my head. Some days I can't think of a damn joke. Like because of that wild card, that human element in these games, that is what makes it different every time you play it. It makes it. It makes you feel like you don't know what to expect, mm -hmm. which makes you want to play it versus yeah. something where you know there's this loop that you're going to take part in, and you know the mm -hmm. start and the middle and, and the end. And it's going to be a big. You know, not only is it going to be a big social thing in terms of you know how you have to play the game with each other with everybody fulfilling a role, but I already know it's like you're going to go into random games and you're going to run into like thing where it's like. I need to, you know, you're gonna friend people because like that dude was amazing on the helm. Right. I want you know that guy was a great that guy was a great engineer. She was a great captain. Like we gotta do this again. Like you're gonna want to build your team. Well, it's just like Werewolves Within. Like you end up becoming friends with the people who are funny mm -hmm. because those are the people you remember. And the game's over, and you look at the list, and you're like, oh, that dude, he was funny. <laughs> it was a blast playing with that guy. And like you're right. Like that's kind of how, and you end up building this 
fake friends circle of friends mm-hmm. like on your console or whatever but when you get in and you play the game with them you feel like you're in the room with them mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to explain but, but yeah, so that's um, you know again, and it's kind of I'm a, it's a little bit like heroin or something. Yeah. Like I'm I'm kind of just like, I'm like I need a hit of Star <laughs> Trek Bridge Crew. Like like it's been since June right, since I played right. that. I'm just like oh I thought I was gonna be playing this by now, man. Like I thought it was gonna be out on November 29th. Then maybe Werewolves Within is worth thirty bucks for you. Maybe I mean I'm curious. Like part of the the appeal is like the Star Trek thing where you've got this thing to you got your yeah, own little game to play while difference. you're. Yeah. Working together, but like, I mean, I like Werewolf in real life, so I, if if it goes on sale for thirty bucks, it's too that's much too much. For that. Yeah, it is. But I'll jump on it as soon as it's for sa- uh, on sale. All right, my runner-up for most anticipated game of twenty seventeen is The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and I hope it comes out in twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think it will. I'm still not one hundred percent certain. I'll be perfectly honest, like. Well, I'll pick it for the game draft this time, <laughs> and we'll just trade that game back and forth until it finally shows up. Yeah. Uh, I think why I'm anticipating it so much is because I feel like we haven't seen squat from that game. We just keep seeing the same thing over yeah. and over again. Like, I know you believe there are dungeons. Yes, I do. The Bigfoot I'm of Breath of the Wild. There are. <laughs> And I think that's what it is. It's the what is that we don't really know hardly anything about it that has made it so appealing and, and got me so jacked up to find out what it is. At this point, like I hope they don't even show the damn thing on January twelfth. Like I've waited all this time now. I don't really need to see dungeons. Like I know they're going to be there. I know you're skeptical about that. I know they're going to be. I'm only skeptical about it in the sense that I don't believe. I don't trust Nintendo any further than I can throw them anymore. Like it, it totally wouldn't shock me if there are no dungeons in this game because they think the open world is the game or whatever. I'm also sick of seeing all this crap. I mean, I hope you're right. I don't. I don't want that. But like, there's just part of me that just. You know, the Star Fox Zero effect. That thing where it's like, oh, we can't just make the same game again. We have to sh- mix it up and surprise you. No, just give me a game. Just give me the game yeah. we want. You know we want dungeons. Put dungeons in the game. And I have fears. Like, my fear is that it's going to end up like Final Fantasy fifteen, where it's like my first open world game. Yeah. Where they just don't quite get it yet and what it takes to make a compelling open world well, game. But... I'm not too worried about that because, I mean, we have played it. Uh, and I played, a, you know, I played thirty least, minutes. I mean, of the it. open world's kind of boring, like somewhat. But at least I have direct control over the swing of the sword. Yeah. At least the combat is, you know, Seems action RPG good, yeah. combat, and not like hold button and wait for thing. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. That's you know, I'm I'm not a huge turn-based guy, you know, in the modern era. I feel like turn-based stuff is sort of over unless you're building the game entirely around it, like something like. Uh, uh, Pillars of Eternity, or um, what's that new Commando-style st- game that with the samurai that keeps popping up? Shadows of... Oh, uh, y- Shadow... Y- you know what I'm tactics. talking about. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that is... Th- you know, a game built around that, that's cool. I'm into yeah. that. But, like, if you're going to make, like, a big open world, I'm running around doing so, like, give me uh, give me the Zelda-style control over the character. And so I'm, I'm not going to get... I don't think I'm going to get tired of, of that. So even if it's just running around killing moblins in little camps, I'm still going to have fun with that. The funny thing is, like, it's not on my... It's not one of my top most anticipated, because I feel like it's such a known quantity for me that it's not one of those games I sit there and be like, oh, I can't wait for that. It's just like, it's coming. I'll, it'll it be here. I'll, I'm ready. <laughs> what, you know, you don't need to show me anymore. You're like, a lot more confident than I am that it's coming. Yeah, well, one day. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's coming in 2017. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Like, there's, there's a point at which it's just got to, you know, 
at a certain point, you're just fucking with us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel know? like they've been doing that for the last year at yeah. least. Maybe I shouldn't be speaking so optimistically when we have just had a year where games that took eight, nine, ten, twelve years to be developed, you know, finally came out. Right. You know, we don't know. Zelda yeah. could be one of those. But it looks pretty far along, shall yeah. we say. We'll see. All right. And actually, the winner for our most anticipated game of 2017, we have the same winner. So we're going to mm. announce this one together. One, two, three. Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. No, probably no surprise again. You know, we've talked, we've no. been all over this game for, what, about 14 months now, I guess. Yeah, at least. Um, um, and again, it's like, you know, part of this It's coming is, very soon. Part of the reason this has my attention, you know, hype level higher than, than Zelda is because this is a much more unknown quantity. You know, we don't, we, you know, we don't know as much about this world. We don't know much about this character. We don't know well, much. my hype level is higher because it looks way better. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> Look at this open world compared to what we just saw in Zelda. True. I mean, it's not even in the same but league. There's just, yeah, but even if you leave that aside, it's there's just more that we haven't experienced already. No, you're here. right. I mean, it's a brand new IP. We don't really know the story behind it. We probably know the story of Zelda already. Yeah. Somebody kidnapped Zelda, you gotta rescue her. Like, it's just, just certain it's, tenets it's, of the franchise. Zelda doesn't get kidnapped there. so much anymore. It's more of a, oh, the Triforce. Right. And you gotta do that, and Zelda's gonna be doing something else, else. over here. And then you here. collect the Triforce, and then you go and save her, or whatever. Yeah. She get kidnapped at some point. But I mean, just look. Like, pull up that Zelda footage and show like five seconds of the Zelda footage, Sam, and then go back and show Horizon Zero Dawn. There's people that are gonna say you're crazy. I'm not one of them. Crazy <laughs> for what? For thinking uh, look Horizon looks better. Really? Yeah. Why? How? Because Nintendo fandom is a look at powerful this. thing. Look at that. That's an open world right there, running yeah. in real time, folks. But it's not Zelda. But let's go back to Zelda. <laughs> now, quickly. Yeah. I mean... I miss Sam, it. what are you thinking? He goes... <laughs> <laughs> He's beatboxing. There's like wind in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I don't know if you guys can hear him, but he said, there's like wind in this one. <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's Zelda fans out there, but I think even they would have a hard time denying. I mean, looking oh, at those, I certainly do. Look I mean, at those two games back to back. It's like night and day. All right, the time has come, Matt, mm-hmm. for the biggest award of the year, our Game of the Year award for 2016. All right, Matt, what's runner your runner-up? Up? Runner-up is Dark Souls Three. Dark Souls 3. Which we've already been over. Yep. But uh, uh, of the games that came out this year that were full games and not expansion packs and not remasters of older games, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dark Souls 3 held me held my attention the longest. Because uh, full disclosure, one of your favorite games this year was the Skyrim remaster. Yes, which is not a new game, no matter how much the Switch fans want it to be. Right, so uh, we decided that it was, was, it was not, not going to be a part of the a real. Yeah, it, yeah. It, that doesn't count. Uh, and Blood and Wine is an expansion, and to give Witcher 3 Game of the Year two years in a row is cheating. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and you know, like, I love the story in Blood and Wine, but maybe I like playing Dark Souls 3 a little more. Yeah. After a hundred and something hours of Witcher no, I 3. I can definitely like, see that. Um, I mean, the, look, combat isn't the Witcher's... The Witcher 3 no. strongest suit. It's good, but it's not it's fine. Yeah. But it's not Dark Souls. It's not. Yeah. And I'm not one of the people that thinks every game with a sword should play like Dark Souls. Right. Right. But 
you know, the satisfaction of Dark Souls is, you know, the combat, really, when it comes to It down really to it. is, because it's all about the tension. We're going to find out tomorrow for the Chambers yeah. of Bloodborne stream. <laughs> um, and this was also the first uh, Dark Souls game where I really used a shield extensively. Yeah. I did not sword and board it through uh, 1 and 2. Uh, so that was a kind of a new experience, and it was a, it was a good time. Like it was just it was just more it's just more Dark Souls, but uh, in this year of of kind of disappointing things and strange flaws and like arguable questionable decisions, uh, Dark Souls Three was more Dark Souls. It delivered, and I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm just watching this makes me kind of want to go back and play it when I get home again. <laughs> All right, my runner up is. Uncharted 4. Mm. I uh, couldn't give it game of the year. I just couldn't. A lot of the issues that we've brought up uh, across the course of the show, we talked about it a couple different times mm-hmm. now, um, they do kind of add up. I do feel like it is a complete game. I mean, I, I like the story a lot more than you did. I love the campaign. I love the way it wrapped everything up. I actually liked his brother. Um, I, can, I can agree with you on some levels that he did kind of come out of nowhere and suddenly become like the key player in the story. And I would like to see more of Elena than her just at home being like the angry wife or whatever. I like the mud way better than Sam. And the whole <laughs> and the whole idea that like Not that Nate, Sam. Sam Nate had become like a scrap guy. Like <laughs> that seems a little far fetched. It's like I went from this life of intrigue and mystery and now I like Scrap old yeah. boats for metal. Like, okay. I mean, to be to be fair, uh, considering what Nate has done over the course of the last three games, he probably needs to kind of keep a low profile. Yeah, yeah, I like, get he's that. He's probably wanted in about four different countries. I, I get that, but I still think it's a little bit far fetched that he would be working in a scrap yard. Yeah, I feel like he would have a better, uh, maybe a better idea, uh, life than that. Yeah. Exactly. But on the whole, there's just something so sad about that scene where he eats like. A tiny bowl of pasta, and then is forced to play Crash Bandicoot. Right. It's like <laughs> no wonder he wants to leave. Yeah. You know, no wonder he wants to run away and and dress in a tuxedo and swing from things with a grappling hook. Yeah, but look, there were probably a dozen moments from this game that I will remember for a long, long time. The combat, it, it is what it is at this point, and I think maybe that's why Naughty Dog has finally decided to move on because. Mm-hmm. It's hard to create a series like this and just completely trash the gameplay and come up with some entirely new concept. They're kind of trying to do that with God of War. Yeah. Um, it seems to be successful so far, but we'll see. I hope they do something like that with Last of Us 2. Yep. I doubt it. Uh, so do I. <laughs> I really doubt it. But I think Last of Us could survive that better than Uncharted. Sure. Well, there's only been one game yeah. where there's been You're kind four. kind of free to innovate a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Now. Once you get four games deep, like... Yeah, you, you expect if you deviate too much, customers are going to get pissed. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's probably the most polished. I love that game. too. I, lo- I love that the way they he like works his way around other people in cover. Like I mean, that. that this series has always been that way, man. Yeah. Like he his context sensitive like animations have always been incredible yeah, from the very first one. He does love to touch walls. Yeah. <laughs> but it, look, it's a complete game. We didn't even talk about this whole time about the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I had a ton of fun with the multiplayer. They've continued to support it. Um, I pl- didn't play it that long. I played it like a week or two weeks, but there are people out there who are still playing the multiplayer, are still excited the new DLC comes out for the multiplayer. Um, it, it is a full-rounded, fully-fledged game. Um, really, it's, it's the two biggest dings for me that kept it from being Game of the Year is it's completely derivative. It's mm. like a ton of other games out there. And the, the gameplay. Those were kind of, and look, that's nitpicking the game. 
is explaining to you why I did not give it Game of the Year. So, amazing game, incredible work, Naughty Dog. My second favorite game of 2016 in a year of incredible games. That's nothing to scoff at. So, yep. all right, here it is, the moment of truth, mm -hmm. our Game of the Year picks. Um, I have to fully admit that I did not pick my Game of the Year until what? Two minutes before the show went live. Oh yeah, we were like we were Sam was. Yeah, we were streaming. Sam was preparing to wind every, the music down, and you're like, "Oh, I bet I got to pick." Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna. But you can see I wrote it in here at the bottom of our rundown. Like I don't want to show it to you too close. You better see what I'm gonna pick. But mm -hmm. <laughs> this is, to me, in my opinion, the hardest year ever to pick game of the year. Agreed. And previous years, we've had hard-to-pick years because there's so many good things we couldn't decide. This year, it was hard to th find something that I felt that strongly about. Yeah. That I wanted to call it that. Over something else. Yeah. Um, like, there's a bunch of stuff I enjoyed, but there wasn't anything that jumped out at me. was like, that was the greatest thing I played this year. I, that was the, there's nothing I played this year that was better than The Witcher 3, yeah. which is like, we, like one of the first times I can, ever th I can think of that, like, a, like that my last year's favorite wasn't somehow eclipsed by this year's favorite or another favorite for this year. It was, it was a weirdly anemic year in terms of like greatness. There was goodness. Lots of games but, delayed out. Yeah, Lots Q1's going to be amazing next year because of it. Hopefully, hopefully, they yeah. don't get delayed again. <laughs> I mean, like making this, making you know, making this choice. Like I was sitting here missing Horizon Zero Dawn and Persona Five, and yeah. just these my entire draft. Yeah, the whole draft. <laughs> Zelda, like the games that you're hoping become yeah. that game that you become passionate about. Yeah, you my know. whole fantasy draft, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Cuphead. Yep. You know, so and much, so on. much that we just didn't get this year. Andromeda. So. um... Wait, I'll give you the drum roll. Your pick for Game they, of the Year 2016 in, is... Uh, as they say in, Cam in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, here's where Cameron goes berserk. Uh, my pick for Game of the Year is No Man's Sky. <laughs> now, in the spirit wow. of, the, of the most disappointing game, which this almost got as well. <laughs> because as we say, most dis you know, disappointing doesn't mean you hate it. Right. Um, I am not going to call this a good game. But it's your game of the year! Because I really enjoyed it. Like, I played this more than any other game this year. I played, Between the PS4 and the PC version, I played over 150 hours of No Man's Holy Sky. Holy crap. Um, and the way... And, and the funny thing is, I find a lot of parallels between Final Fantasy XV and this game. In the sense that neither of them were what we were told they were going to be neither of them were what they were advertised they were going to be in some ways there's a if you go back to the old marketing materials there's a whole bunch of shit in both games that is not in both games yeah um and in the same vein as final fantasy 15 where we've talked about like hey if it does it for you great it's not for me yeah Fun, uh, no, whatever it is about no man's sky whatever you know what what minor things it does that are still in there when it launched half baked as some of it may be it jabbed that little dopamine button in my brain, and I just, you know, in the same way, again, Skyrim, which would probably be my pick if we weren't uh, disqualifying it, yeah. um, you know, just what's over that next ridge, what's behind that next stand of trees, what's the thing that's going to be over here, like, that's, that, you know, keeps me going in these, it's, it's like you say with that thing with the doing the stupid repetitive side quests over and over, like, that's, you know... Do I have 500 of every element in my ship's cargo hold? Like, that's the kind of stupid shit that was keeping me going in this game uh -huh. over and over and over to see what this next planet looked like. To see, And, like, 
every criticism you could make of this game, I probably agree with you. Yeah. Um, but I still played it over. And the and the funny thing is, like, you know what was one of the things that really was pushing me to make it most disappointed? This disappointing was the foundation update. Right. Because the foundation <laughs> update makes it a better game, but it also makes you sit there and say, why wasn't this the launch game? Why wasn't, you know, you knew, you had all these ideas, you had all these, like, ways to make this a game, frankly, if yeah. we're, you know, if we're, you know, as opposed to sort of a little sandbox to play in, you know, there's more game elements in it now. Why didn't you give this thing another year to bake? It's just like you said about Mighty Number no. 9. No one had a knife to your throat on this thing. Yeah. Maybe after maybe after it was released. I think actually no. I think Hello <laughs> maybe Games they were running out of money on that or something. I, I think they know. were in a worse position than Inafune was for sure. But like, my thing is like, look, I think in like a year this game might be pretty damn good. It could, but like, but that's when I would give it game of the year. <laughs> well, I couldn't give it game of the year because it didn't come out that year. So, oh man. But again, you know, you know, I I would not recommend it to many people, but for me. This was the thing I played the most. It's the thing I had the most fun with. I don't expect anybody to agree with me, and I'm not going to argue with anybody that this is a good game. Yeah, um, it's just the game I enjoyed the most. And that's and what it, you should keep in mind here. Like these are our game of the year. This isn't yeah. like what we think. This isn't like the one game that we would tell everybody to buy. This is the game that we enjoyed the most of any game that we played in 2016. And I actually like what Robert Headley just said in there. Robert Headley. Um, I played Mad Max for 30 hours and I got bored. I played Mad Max for 50 hours and I finished it 100%. Every single thing in the game. And I do not know why. And I'll tell you this much. Uh, one of the codes I was I had in my bank to send you for tomorrow's stream, one of them was Mad Max. Oh, wow. And I didn't send it to you because, oh, I might want to play that again. And that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy, yeah. Because I played it on PS4. You're like a it. game hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> Like I think just that comment in, that comment in the chat right there might end up causing there to be a Mad Max code tomorrow. Yeah. Like I, I might get over that on the way well home. Well done then who said that. I know it's ridiculous. You just got someone a free copy of Mad Max <laughs> tomorrow. Robert Robert Hebley or Headley. <laughs> Great job, Robert. So uh, I'm yeah, that's a that's a fine point, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's and still it, a and crazy the funny thing is like look, man, uh Mad Max was like a game that I I thought about, but it's like nah, it's just it was just too blah. Even though I played it and really enjoyed it, right? I didn't have anything other than the, the blah this year. <laughs> Here's my question I have to you about your No Man's Sky pick. If we were a part of an editorial staff together and mm -hmm. we had to come to a consensus, you and I and four other people, mm -hmm. would you fight for this game to be game of the year? No, you wouldn't. No. Okay. Not in a situation like where X player, where we're like picking, you know, a, a we have game. We come to a consensus the among show, the team, as yeah. like you know, the, the team or the show is presenting this as what we. No, I wouldn't fight for that at all. Okay, that's just me being me. Got you. Okay. And now it's my turn to announce my game of the year, and that game is Overwatch. Woo! <laughs> and before any of you guys freak out, you're like. <laughs> Wait a minute, Shane gave best first-person shooter to Titanfall 2, because I know some of you are typing it right now, like, oh my god, Shane gave Titanfall 2. I think they're still in shock from my pick. They're, they're, they're like, <laughs> like, thank god, Overwatch, a game that's good. What well, they're the still on the floor. They're like, oh, like, what did Shane say? I didn't even hear it. Like, they can't even remember you gave Titanfall 2 best. They, they don't, they don't, they don't, 
So it's all gone. Yeah, it's all yeah. le- their brains are leaking out of their ears. No Man's <laughs> Sky just got a Game of the Year award. But anyway, before you guys do try to say, oh, he gave Titanfall 2 best shooter, like, like I said at the beginning of the show, I do not really view Overwatch as a first-person shooter because <laughs> of the variety of roles that you can play in the I game. like Johnny Hurricane just said, oh my god, Shane gives Titanfall 2, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecies in the, in the Sifted chat. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it coming. I think he said it was doing that because you said that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier in the show, I do not view that Overwatch as a straight-up first-person shooter. I feel like there's a bunch of different roles that you can play, and it feels more like an action-adventure to me. And so when I had to kind of look at what straight-up, what is your typical first-person shooter, I felt that Titanfall was sort of a better example of that. When I had to decide what I felt like the most important game for everyone to play in 2016 was, to me, that was Overwatch. Um, I feel like this is a game that people are going to be playing for 10, 15 years from now. Um, I feel like it's the game this year, other than maybe Pokemon Go, or Pokemon Go that kind of broke down the barriers and opened up gaming to new audiences. That's always big with me. I still think there's merit to the theory that some of the low sales of AAA games this, this year have been because people are sticking still to Overwatch. Still playing Yeah, I mean, it's, but if you play it, it's like, you know what you get with Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You go Titanfall. You know what you get with Battlefield. This, it's different. This game is complete. It feels completely different to play. It's just the fact that you have, it's like a fighting game MOBA shooter action game. There's, it's so hard to label it as anything. And I think that's why it struck such, such a chord with so many people, myself included. Like, I can play with one character for a little while. If you get bored, you just change the character. And the whole game is different. It's not like in Call of Duty. You get sick of playing Call of Duty, you're sick of playing Call of Duty. You can say the same thing about Titanfall or Battlefield. Maybe Battlefield not quite as much because you have the variety of vehicles that you can kind of take up different roles in that game. But in most shooters, it's like you get bored of them, you're freaking bored of them. This game, you get bored of it, you just stop playing as that character and you start learning to play a new one. It's like a MOBA. And, you know, people know if you've been watching the show or you're a subscriber to Sifted, I do play MOBAs. I like MOBAs. I like League of Legends. Because, again, it's different. Every time you pick that different character, it's never the same. And that's what I really love about Overwatch. Um, I love that everybody is enjoying the game, no matter what kind of person they are, what age, what age group they're in, uh, whether they're male or female. Everyone's finding a character to resonate with. I love how it's caught on culturally, and it's become, like, the hot thing in cosplay. And some of the cosplay for it is absolutely amazing. Um, I love the universe that it's built in. I love, I think it was smart how they balanced the technology of the game to make sure it played like Grease Lightning but still looked good. The art style that they chose for it, the character design in it is just freaking incredible. You can't discount that. And if you, if you think you, if that doesn't matter, look at Battleborn. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Battleborn as a character based shooter has failed? Because this characters freaking suck. Like, it is just the perfect storm. Of Blizzard's expertise. The perfect Blizzard. It Yeah, it really is. Like, it is just, you, you're seeing everything Blizzard is great at put together into one product. And, you know, I remember at first when at the Game Awards, like Overwatch won, and like, I could totally understand it, and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know. And I think part of it, too, is that, like, the game came out so long ago mm-hmm. That it's easy to forget. Like, for instance, Far Cry Primal came out this year. And I love that game. Yeah. And I actually was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe that's, like, you know, my first-person shooter. But then I started thinking about it, and it's, it was such so limited in scope compared to, like, the other competitors. Mm-hmm. 
And, and there, was, it, there was just a point in that game where it was, it was over. The game wasn't over yet, but I was done. Right. You know? Yeah. But I think is it goes to what you were saying as well, how there was no clear-cut best game this year. And mm-hmm. as I as I spent more time and kept stacking it up, like I almost couldn't believe it myself that I was going to give it to Overwatch. That's why I did not have a pick mm-hmm. until two minutes before the stream started. Like, I just kept looking at like my list over and over, and I'm like, it is Overwatch. Overwatch is the best game of 2016. Like, I just couldn't accept it. <laughs> I just kept thinking there had to... Because, it, look, it doesn't have a campaign. All mm-hmm. it is is multiplayer, just a few modes. And it, that kept burning me. And I'm like, oh, I... I'm thinking I'm going to have problems like giving it to this game. It's so limited in scope. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, feature-rich games and getting that full, getting your money's worth. Like, you know, people getting their, but, man, do you get your money's worth with Overwatch? Like, every time I kept trying to come up with an excuse or a reason why I should not give it to Overwatch, I could not find one. And ultimately, that's where I settled out. So, there it is. Overwatch is my game of the year for 2016. Um... With that, we'll open up the... Hopefully 2017 does a little better for us. Yeah, I mean, it. I still think 2016 was a good year for games. But they're just... It's never going to be compared to, like, 1998 or right. anything like that. But there were... I guess the best way to put it is there were a, a deluge of AA games. <laughs> but not necessarily, like, the five or six, like, AAA mm. ones that are going to be remembered on and on. And, I mean, look, there was a part of me for a minute there that I almost gave it to The Last Guardian. Because it just, it affected me so much. And, uh, you know, emotionally it affected me. And I, I, like I was saying earlier, like with the Future Legend Award, like I feel like that that's one of the few games from this year we're going to talk about for decades. And people are going to always point back to it. Oh, remember that game, The Last Guardian, who did the AI with the creature thing? And now here's this new one. It's like, you're going to see descriptions for games like blah, blah, blah. The last with the cross with the last guardian for years and years, and so there's a part of me that wanted to give it to the last guardian, but its mechanics were so poor, mm-hmm. I just couldn't rationalize it. So when I did that soul search, like I did with Overwatch, where I started trying to think of reasons to not give it game of the year, I was able to find those with the last guardian, where mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find it with Overwatch. Well, it's similar, like you know, all the reasons I could think of to not give No Man's Sky my personal award would be. Reasons that other people care about, yeah, not things that affected my right playing of it. Although it should be noted, uh, that game came out in August, and my collector's edition will not make it for Christmas. Damn. That's not Hello Games's fault, but that's our it's, buddies at IM8. It's IM8 it? bit <laughs> screwing up, uh, which I believe. Oh, there was another thing that they're uh, they're doing that was oh the the Res VR physical copy is having some problems as well. And oh, that, really? But um, it, for me, it was just like it. it like I found out that it wasn't going to ship in time to make it to me by Christmas. I'm like, nah, it fits. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, good it's another drop in the no man's sky bucket. You know, it's just like, it's just. But there's something, something in my head. So there's a mental illness in there. It just <laughs> wants to land on planets and find animal droppings and build houses out of them. You like what you like, man. That's all you can say. Let's see. Do you have any questions here before we go? Uh. No, just people talking about our Game of the Year picks. Mm-hmm. And uh, last Robert Hebley saying that The Last Guardian is a Seaman reboot, which uh, <laughs> you have to micromanage. No, you don't That's really have That's a bit of an interesting perspective. Much. That's an interesting idea, actually. Trico talks less, but he is almost as annoying. Yeah, and he obeys about as often, too. Yeah. 
Rest in peace, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, here's one from Nemec. Matt, have you played Dino Frontier? I have not. That's a VR game. It was just announced, right? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, the sift, the sifted. It was in my sift, but yeah. I have not played that game yet. No. I mean, yeah, I will. <laughs> if it's dinosaurs and in VR, I'm gonna play it. I promise. Here's a good one from the Legacy. Which game has worse motion controls, Lair or Star Fox Zero? And which game is worse overall? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to say I hate Star Fox Zero's controls more, but Lair is a worse game. Because even when they patched Lair so you could just use the analog stick, yeah. it still sucked. It did. I think Lair on both counts, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I, hate, I thought it was, the controls were terrible. I, I thought the game was terrible, God, and even when real... they let you play with the controller, it was even worse. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a that's a good one. That's a good comparison. Right it there. is. Yeah, it I don't really know how you is. came up with that one. That's really good. I, I would never thought about it. That's a great. I'm going to steal that <laughs> one for the future. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Shane and Matt, how would you feel about Rescue Robots as a pick for most innovative? That reinvigorated a really antiquated genre in a way I never mm. imagined possible. Just wish there was more of it. From Nolan Elric. Hmm. This is the VR thing. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I really like that, but it was more like uh, somebody played a lot of Super Mario 64 and decided to do a VR version of it. And yeah. it worked. I mean, it was great. Uh, I mean... Hmm... I think I would have been more comfortable giving that a most innovative award if it had been an actual full game. Right. You know, it, it was just a level. Right. Uh, and I didn't find the rest of Playroom VR to be that compelling. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, that was <laughs> that amazing. That tripped me out, it dude. Really it was really good. did. I remember, like, sitting there and watching, like, the guy just run around me in circles and it just freaking me uh-huh. out. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like... The Genesis is there for something amazing, no doubt about it. And I will say that in my first couple days of having my PlayStation VR, it was the most compelling experience. Like, I loved, like, feeling like you were there and they were just jumping, like, all around you. And I I always wondered, like, how would you deal with that 3D space if you're the camera? And, man, I just nailed it, like, right away. Like... I think that is just years of training of jumping in 3D space with Mario and other games like that. Like, I was able to just nail my jumps and know exactly where that guy was going. Like, I love just having the guy mm-hmm. run up to me and just stand at my feet and just look up at me. <laughs> and, like, and it's just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can totally see where you're going with that. But uh, it's hard to give it too much weight when it was just like that one little level. Although little I did level. enjoy the good. living crap out of it. Make yeah. a full game out of that in 2017 and I'll... Be sure to consider it next year, I guess. Uh, Solo Dolo two four one asks the five of us sifters who like sports games want to know what your sports games of the, sports game of the year is. Mm, I was actually thinking about that. When My we... sports game of the year every year is probably MLB the Show because that's the only one I play. Yeah. Oh man, honestly, I feel like this was a not a great year for sports games. I think if I had to give a nod for. Game of the year, though, it has to be FIFA, because FIFA created the the story mode for the first time in its franchise history. And I would say, in some ways, it was better than NBA 2K's story mode, which has been in NBA 2K for a couple years now. So, for a first attempt at a story mode in a sports game, I thought EA did a great job with that. Also, moving it over to the Frostbite engine made a noticeable difference for me. 
Uh, but overall, this year in sports games, I thought it was pretty poor. Uh, Madden felt like it didn't really try to do anything new that was worth mentioning, really. Mm-hmm. Um, MLB is good, but it's literally the same every Same year. thing every time. Like, there's yeah. really no reason to buy that game every year. Um, there's a couple little sports games that have been announced over the last uh, couple weeks. There's like an arcade hockey game called Old Time Hockey. Uh, which looks a little janky, but uh, I feel like we need an arcade hockey game. It looks basically just like NHL 94, but with cel-shaded graphics. And it's more of an arcade style, easy to play, big focus on fighting. Um, but yeah, I feel like sports games overall this year was a down year. So, But mm. if I had to pick one, it would be FIFA. The stand user asks, uh, with the two steps forward, one step back approach with Mar- Super Mario Run and the NES Classic, what, in your opinion, could be the Switch's one step back? Oh, boy. Right now, I think I'd say the library. Uh, because yeah, there's I mean, not I more than some Wii U ports in there. They're going to need something to fill, fill out the first year. Here. I mean, I was surprised that Pactor was so positive on the Wii U ports in this week's Pactor Factor. And, look, we recorded it weeks ago, so I knew it was coming. But, like, you forget, like, some of the questions he answers until you go to edit them together. And uh, I had forgotten how positive he was about the old Wii U stuff being moved Mm -hmm. up to the Switch. But this is one case where I think I would disagree with him. Like, I think that is the step back. Mm -hmm. I think consumers have already voted with their wallets and said they didn't want those games. It didn't move any Wii U, so why would it move Switches? Yeah, and no disrespect to Pactor or anything, but that's just kind of my opinion. I just feel like if people wanted these games, they would have bought a Wii U to play them, and they decided that they didn't. So, So I mean, the one one X factor that I think he's trying to point out in that uh, is that this is a handheld and the Wii U is a console, and that might make the difference. I don't think people... Um, I, don't I don't think the think average so. person thinks the Switch is a handheld, though. No. I think the, mo- the average I think person... That's, I think that's an industry like knowledge perspective. I mean, right. I think he's right, but I don't think yeah. that's the perception. Right. I think the average person who knows about the Switch right now thinks of it first as a console that mm-hmm. you can take out of the house, and I think that's the way Nintendo wants it, too. Yeah. I think Nintendo wants people to think of it as a console... That you take with you, mm. not a handheld that you can play on your TV. Right. Because when you think a handheld, you think underpowered, like not right. as powerful as a console. But that's, I mean, that's basically one of those optical illusions where it's like, is it the old lady or the young woman right. kind of thing? I mean, yeah. that's however you want to look it at really it. It really is. But I think Nintendo... But Nintendo's certainly going to push the marketing standpoint that it is a console you can take with you. Yep. But Pactor and a lot of other financial types are looking at it the other way around. And that seems to be why... Uh, there's sort of this weird malaise with the investors that you know want to see Nintendo focus on the mobile thing, and are continually like disappointed because Nintendo won't focus only on the mobile thing. Which I'm glad they won't focus on the mobile thing because I'd rather have console games out of Nintendo. But it's a very weird time for Nintendo, and I don't know if we can really call what the step back is. You know, who knows? Maybe Splatoon catches this time. I don't know. I mean, you look at Doesn't it. Doesn't do anything for me. Well, there but... were Wii U players who were starved for games. Right. And still only amount around a 10% of the Wii U audience bought Splatoon. Yeah. So, I don't know. It doesn't add up to me. But, look, people have to have something to play because it doesn't seem like Nintendo's going to have a whole lot of new first-party software at launch. Well, I could play Skyrim Remastered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. I know that doesn't exist. Yeah. Come it on. does. Yeah. Uh, let's see, one more question. Uh... Here's a good one. Um, 
stand user, is there, are there any 2016 games you haven't played that could possibly be in the Game of the Year deliberations, but you simply can't put it because you didn't play it? Mm. I wonder if maybe I might like this full story of Telltale Batman more uh, than I think I'm going to, but I haven't played it because I'm waiting for the last episode to come. Or the last episode is out, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I played the first two episodes. I have not played the last three. Um, so maybe, you know, that might story be is good thing. in that. Yeah, I like the first episode. I just haven't... I did not have time to get through that whole series this week. I was, I was trying to catch up on all the other indie games I didn't play yet. Man, I feel like I've played everything. I'm very I I, fortunate in that regard. I feel like I've played everything major. I gotta say... Uh, Stardew well, Valley I haven't played. I, tried, game I didn't like that game. That's a game that everyone's like been talking about all year that I never really played. My problem with Stardew Valley is that the controls suck on controller. I heard that. And, like, yeah. I just, How do you screw that up? Well, I don't know. It's so simple. Like, you have to move a cursor separate from the character. It's just like, how, if you're basing this so hard on Harvest Moon, how do the control, console controls suck? So, and they didn't even yeah. fix it for the PS4 version. Like, I really want to like that game, but I just can't. Um, I, talked, I think I talked about that last week. Um, I didn't play a lot of RPGs or JRPGs this year, but I can't really think of any that really hit with other people that I yeah, missed out on. I'm way behind on the tra- uh, Trails in the Sky series. I mean, they, they did uh, Trails of Cold Steel 2 this yeah. year, which you know might have been a thing. I didn't play I Am Setsuna. Uh, just because I, I thought that, that was too expensive for what it was. So maybe, I don't know if I would have liked that a lot. Uh, that would be on my list of things that I'm I regret not playing. And then uh, while I don't agree with him very often, Tom Chick did those uh, quarter to three lists, and his uh, best of the year list was full of stuff I never even touched. Um, so like I and you know I don't always agree with him on things that are being the best of the year or whatever. But a lot of times he finds weird little things that I I wouldn't have played otherwise. So I am kind of interested to play like quadrilateral cowboy and some of those. Uh, indie games that he picked that uh, I've I added some stuff to my wish list from his list so there's there's stuff in there that I just didn't have time for but I feel pretty okay with my breadth of experience. I've played pretty much everything this year I've played, spent so much time playing games this year mm-hmm. this is probably the most I've played games in a year and probably my first year at GameSpot or at least the the years I was like the grunt in the games industry because mm-hmm. that's the irony of working in the games industry is the more you move up, the less time you have to play games. When I was a grunt at GameSpot, like, that's all I did. It's like, we need something captured. They throw you a game and you go over to the capture mm. station and capture it. Like, And then the, if you go up and you get promoted into new positions, you have other things. You have to sit in meetings and do all yeah. kinds of boring stuff. And you kind of lose the fun part of your job. So now that like I'm in charge and I can do whatever the hell I want, right. I've actually managed to play a lot more games this year, which is you great. can't... So, uh... You get promoted too high, you can't fly the jet fighters anymore. Yep. That's the problem that's, with the Air Force. Absolutely right. Yeah. So, all right, that's going to do it for our 2016 Game of the Year special. Before we go, we have one more thing though. We've already shared with you our awards, but we wanted we did a poll this week of sifted users to see what their picks for Game of the Year was, and pull them up, Sam. Uncharted 4 won in a landslide. It had four times more votes than. Overwatch, it wasn't wow. even close. Overwatch was a good step up from... Well, you said, we're a PlayStation nation here on Sifted. Yeah, it is. And uh, Overwatch was a good step up from Doom, but then Doom, Dark Souls 3, and The Last Guardian were all pretty much in a, in a pack together. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess, actually, you, you do have my two picks just swapped in order. No No Man's Sky, though, Matt. Yeah, I didn't expect it. <laughs> 
So anyway, that's it. We're putting the, the lid on top of our game of the year for 2016. Uh, we'll see you right back here tomorrow morning. Although by the time most people watch this, it will be today. Today or Saturday. A couple hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> if you're double fisting the, yeah. the game face yeah. action. So Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. we will start the stream, Shane versus Bloodborne. Um, if you're watching this on Sifted, you should probably just jump over to the live stream. We'll be playing all day from 11 a.m. until 6, 7, 8 o'clock. We'll see how it, how it goes. Uh, we'll take a break in the middle somewhere there so Matt and I can get some lunch or whatever. But uh, should be a fun day tomorrow. Hope to see you guys all on the stream. Again, don't forget, all day tomorrow, please help us uh, by tweeting it out on social media and Facebook and wherever else you can. Get as many people as you can on the stream because it's all about Sifted getting new subscribers tomorrow. That's what this is all for. Free games. And free games. And for Matt to gloat a little bit and get his due for winning the bit. Fantasy League. So, good job, brother. All right, that's it, folks. Everybody have a great Friday night. If you have any of it left, depending on where you live, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Game Face is up and out.